Thomas Brady. <laughs> I am. Uh, what's up, everybody? It's great to see you. We are live on YouTube Sunday uh, evening. I'm Guy. That's John. If you're watching this uh, after the fact on YouTube, that's cool. Also, you, the consumer, you control time on YouTube. And definitely when it comes to the world, the beautiful wide world of podcasts. If you're listening to our podcast, great to have you there as well. Thank you for your support, as always, everybody. And um yeah, hit that like, hit that subscribe, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All that stuff's good. Yeah, share the podcast with your friends, share the YouTube channel, do, do your thing. Happy uh, coming up. When's Hanukkah? A couple weeks or soon? Uh, 18th, maybe? So r- right around the oh, corner, H- Haberman's locked in. And uh, enjoy the holidays, everybody. From from Thomas Brady to Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance to McCorkle. A lot of connections, right, over the last couple years. All these quarterbacks all led us to this little guy from – Perry High School in Arizona that played at Iowa State named Brock Purdy guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. I got to tell you, John. I, I mean, it was a couple years ago, so they signed Thomas Brady. They trade for Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo's erected out of nowhere. McCorkle, that whole conversation. All those guys now are in a weird way, all connected. Yet, Brock Purdy is the quarterback for the 49ers. Yeah. Throwing. At one point, I, did he just throw four touchdowns? It was two, but when you run for one, it feels like a lot more, you know? Threw for two. Ran for Ran one. for the one, so you counted for three. Yeah, it was that that conversation was a few years ago. But if you check our YouTube channel, you can go watch a video from three days ago about uh, whether or not Tom Brady is going to be an option for the 49ers in 2023, which would be a discussion. Obviously, I'm I'm um, I'm worn out from the NFL today. I'm worn out from that game. I'm worn out from all my activities on the Internet during that game. Uh, a lot of tweet, a lot of arguing on the Internet for me because the game became you know, irrelevant after halftime, basically. And so I spent my afternoon um, uh, in my in my own mentions, tweeting with people about Debo Samuel. Elon, be proud, guy. And how much other, yeah, I'm just trying to make Elon, to I, <laughs> just trying to make Elon a buck, John. Just trying to build that next spaceship, doing my part. Good. I uh, I spent Saturday. You know, obviously Army Navy is a football game, but it you know football it's not quite the same when there's not games. I was extremely had a few too many Tito's espresso martinis. Mm. And Saturday was didn't do a goddamn thing. So today I was energized. I was buzzing. And uh, I'm excited to be here, guy. I, I really am. Good. As am I. As am I. Uh, a lot to talk about for a 35-7 to 7 game. Before we do any of that, though. Seattle Seahawks you, lost, too. And the Seahawks. I mean, that was a whole other thing. I did not think the Panthers were going to. You text me the Seattle's going to lose. And yeah. then I looked up and they were what? It was like 20-17. to 17. I was like, where did this come from? I texted you the Panthers were going to lose. Yeah, the, you texted me the Panthers were yeah, going to lose. I predicted And, and Seattle came storming back. I did not think that the Panthers were, would hold on to that thing, but they did. Sam Darnold. Niners on Thursday Night Football. Uh, before we get to anything else, John, let's tell the people we are brought to all of you by our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka, John. Uh, festive cocktails to shake up the season. So many great options like a Tito's Clementine Cheer. A Tito's Mariposa. I mean, a Tito's Merry Mule. You will not go wrong. Whatever you like. Maybe you like the OG Tito beverage himself, his drink, which was a Tito's water and lemon 
I had that the other day when I was at the Adam Sandler show on Tuesday. Very good. Whatever you like, there's something for everybody. Take it to a party. Enjoy it on your own. Do it responsibly. Tito's Handmade Vodka. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think you go to a bar this holiday season and you get a Tito's Espresso Martini. I, there's just, when it's done right, that, that thing melts in your mouth, gives you a little pick-me-up. You might be a little tired. Hmm. It, it really is a fantastic drink. It's it's hard to beat. Now, it depends where you go. Some are made better than others, but when you get the right one, not not too sweet, but not too – it's just oh, – yeah. Three beans. This is – three beans, that's the key. You know, some people do too many beans. Some people do no beans. Three beans is key, but that's just a, it's an elite drink. There's no way around it. Kind of like Brock Purdy, you know, at, at home against the Bucks. I went to dinner before the Sandler show, had it at the bar, walked up to the bar, first order, Tito's espresso martini, and then the Tito's and water later at the show. And it was a great, I, I would say also it's the one drink that I don't want to call foo-foo-y, but you know, it's just a drink that it's not. Tito soda, which is like well respected. Glass, you can start with yeah. that, right? Yeah, it's it, it, you get respect at the bar, and a lot of guys stumbled upon this guy named John uh, on Friday, also sitting at the bar, and he's like, "Get me one too." I said, "Go to." He ended yeah. up buying the drink, so it worked out well. Atta boy, Tito's handmade vodka. It is delicious. Uh, we appreciate the support. We know you love it. Keep sending us pictures of you enjoying Tito's. We got a lot of that this weekend. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80. Proof crafted to be savored responsibly. Also brought to you by ButcherBox.com. ButcherBox.com slash ham and then code ham. And what do you get, John? Guy, you get free ground beef. <clears throat> free ground beef mm-hmm. for life. For life. For life. Uh, it's hard to beat that guy. Like you said, butcherbox.com slash ham and use the promo code ham to get $10 off your first box and $10 free ground beef for life. You go, you curate a box, chicken, ribs, steaks, you name it. They got it delivered to your house, free shipping. And like guy said, like I said, you use the code ham after you go butcherbox.com slash ham, free ground beef for life. We, we right. like giving presents around the holiday season. We want to take care of our people because you guys take care of us. We couldn't do this without you. That's where ButcherBox is trying to take care of you through us, so get it done. Yeah. Free shipping in the continental U.S. No surprise fees. You can pick a box that they have prepackaged, or you can make your own. Holiday season is made better and tastier with ButcherBox. And you get 10 bucks off your first order when you do the ButcherBox.com slash ham and use code ham. You get uh, ground beef for life, ground beef in every order uh, for the life of your membership. So there you Can't go. beat it. Go get it. Can't beat it. Uh well, you want to break down Army Navy? I, I know what everybody's thinking, John. The Raiders got beat on Thursday night with a quarterback <laughs> wearing Josh Johnson's number, number seventeen. Early in the game, they had a shot of Shanahan on the sideline, and I saw behind him like a seventeen standing there. You know how the backup QB stands with like his hands in his neck, like yeah. you know in his in his pads in the front, just standing there. And I was like, it did, it did not compute for me. I'm like, who is seventeen? Is that a, like a receiver that I – who is that? And then I just forgot that I'd seen him until he came into the game when the 49ers were up 35-7 to in Tom Brady's homecoming. Guy, my girlfriend looks at me and she goes, who's this? I'm like, well, he's the backup quarterback. She's like, I thought Brock Purdy was the backup quarterback. I'm like, well, yeah, he's no longer the backup quarterback. You have to have a backup quarterback – She's like, but I thought he was really the third string quarterback. I'm like, yeah, when you have seven guys shatter ankles and break knee, you know, it's a, it's a trickle down effect and you got to get a guy off a practice squad. It's, it's a complicated transaction here, but uh, it, it, it's, 
I would say it's pretty rare to see a guy. One, I mean, he came into the season. It's one thing to be Mr. Relevant, and he talked about it this week. Like, I played the game, but I also was focused on making the team. He had a battle to make the team. But then he made the team. They re-signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he wasn't sniffing the field. I mean, this was a guy in shorts and T-shirt for the entire season if guys do not get injured, right? He's not Even if Trey Lance gets Wally Pipped by, you know, when I say Wally Pipped, like, bench for Jimmy Garoppolo, like, this guy was not going to be playing. So then to come in as the backup and eventually start a game and look and play like that, whether you're playing the Houston Texans or whether you're playing, you know, Tampa Bay and Devin White and Todd Bowles, like that was just a very, like that was an eye test game where you went like, holy shit, that that was really, really impressive, right? Don't you see the stats? You just watch the game. He's throwing touchdowns. He's running around. He's poised. He's making accurate throws. He's tough. He got peppered. You just go, shit like that that is a hat tip for the nfl no doubt about it game ball no doubt about it just a lot of respect from the dudes you know yeah especially you and i texted uh obviously throughout the game but you know brady i first of all the niners defense looked really fast the 49ers as a team looked really fast in this game offensively and defensively but their defense looked really fast. And from the first defensive snap of the game, they were getting after Brady. And I thought it affected Brady and the Bucks' offense. Well, Purdy got crushed on the first play of the game. And luckily for the Niners, it was a personal foul penalty on Keanu Neal, too. Crushed. And, and you just didn't know, is this a good sign or a bad sign? Because like you texted me, you went glass half full. Hey, he held on to the ball. But... What concerned me about it was that this, it, what happened was basically what we had talked about a little bit during the week. Eli Manning's kind of um, warning for what it's like to play the Bucks defense. And we'd seen it in the Bucks game the week before is that free rushers are um, a regular thing for this defense. And a free rusher came in and it was after Greg Olson pointed out BP 13. What does that mean? Nickname? Well, TV 12. Oh, TB12, BP13. Somebody just put that in the comments. That's good. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, as Greg, you know, I thought what was interesting about him getting crushed was that Greg Olson's like, he just audible, he just audible, he changed the play and then he uh, he let a free rusher get through and crushed him. And um, so for him, I thought the bounce back after that play was a pretty good indication. So then, then on that drive, he hits Debo in the back of the head. That was a couple of plays later. And then he settled down and that's when he had a great throw to Kittle in the flat. Uh, not that we're doing the Purdy breakdown yet. We'll get to that. But I just thought the, the Niners defense looked really fast. And I, and I did feel early in the game like I don't know exactly what the Niners offense is going to be, but I thought their defense, it was clear, was like it was going to be hard for them to get outscored given how good their defense looked early. Well, that offense has been terrible, right? Beside those couple drives at the end of the Saints game, you and I went over the points that they had been scoring in recent games. If you just watch them, they're pretty putrid on offense. They're not an explosive offense. Kind of weird to see Tom yelling at Evans. And Evans, pretty high-level guy, like was just kind of didn't want to try to get into a shouting match with him. But it's like, Tom, your balls are fucking flying all over the place. Yeah. Tom, you Tom, you look a little like Jimmy when he's off. Like, what, what is going on with you, my man? Like he got if we just look at it, Tom Brady played a game against Brock Purdy, and one guy was dramatically better. Like, just, it wasn't even close. I mean, Tom was 35 of 55. Honestly, that feels better than what I witnessed. He he was, how many of those were the second half dump-off plays? I mean, balls over the middle, flying all over the map. 
To me, Purdy was accurate. He to me, he brings an element of athleticism that you know they originally had with Trey. I mean, Trey's a better athlete than Purdy, but like he can really move in terms of behind the line of scrimmage. That's not really Jimmy's thing. This guy's pretty good at it. Like I said, Jimmy's not as good of an athlete as this guy, and this guy to me plays pretty fast behind the line of scrimmage, just scrambling around, making guys miss. Like I, I like that element of what Purdy brings to the table, and he's pretty. I guess he's confident throwing on the run. Yeah, you know, for a guy without some huge Josh Allen hose, it's hard to talk about this game without talking about Brock. Um, and we're going to reserve some time here in a second to really get into Brock. I, I did you see the the video though that the NFL posted of Brady coming in before he went in the locker room, just arriving at the stadium? He stops and he takes a photo of what in a hallway. Look, it looks like it's a photo of you know several like nights. Jerry, Ronnie Lott, and Joe yeah. Montana and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and you know Tom has always been right in the moment. There was a, a video of him hugging uh, Bryant Young before the game on the field, too. I'm not sure if you saw that, but he recognized him, came over and said hi. Uh, you see him say, you're a fucking beast. Yeah. yeah I love you, he said. <laughs> you know, and his dad was there, and um, there's somebody wrote, I saw on he Twitter. Bought a, he bought 100 tickets, friends and family. Had 100 tickets. Uh, somebody said on, uh, on Twitter today or yesterday that Brock Purdy's family already was planning to come to this game before Brock became the quarterback because everyone was coming to see Brady. Um, like this was a huge day, right? I think you, we talked about it before the season, what would be the hottest ticket on the secondary market preseason. And I thought it was, ah, maybe it was the chargers. And then somehow we found that it actually, you were right, that it was this bucks game like preseason before the bucks became a sub 500 divisional leader. Um, we talked about it, I think, like a month, like early on in the season, maybe like yeah. early October. And I had a season ticket holder text me and pretty quickly after he heard our conversation is like, bro, this is I almost got four and a half X for this game for my two, you know, four seats selling it, whatever. Yeah. Which in a weird way, if you were a Niner fan of this game, it kind of delivered for you in a very different way than what you anticipated. Um but there was a lot. I think it's easy after blowouts to forget how much a buildup for some games there is. Like, I think you can watch a college football playoff semifinal. This happens all the time. And there's all this buildup. And then the game, it's a blowout and the game sucks. And this game did not suck because Brock is so, you know, like, I think if Jimmy had just had the game Brock had, it'd even feel a little different. Um, but it's just pretty stunning to see Tom Brady lose by 28 points. And really, I mean, the Niners, well, I guess they scored. They scored a touchdown in the second half, but what for the touchdown for the touchdowns came in the first half. Right? Well, guy, I'm looking right now. <clears throat> Their point differential right now is 120. To put that into perspective, the Eagles, who are 12 and one, is 138. Wow. The, the 49ers point differential. I mean, the Cowboys is actually pretty good too. 131. Everyone else in the conference in the South. Everyone's in the red. <laughs> the only team in the positive in the north is the Lions, and they're plus two, right? I mean, Seattle, a 19-point loss to the Chiefs, or yeah, a 21-point loss to the Chiefs. And Seattle, who's seven and six and had a really good season, is plus eight. So, you know, that's a great call. Here's what we've got. Blew out the Seahawks by 20, beat the Rams the first time by uh, 15, Beat the Panthers by 22. Game felt a lot bigger, too. <laughs> Beat the Rams the second time around 31 to 14. Beat the Cardinals by 28. Uh, beat the Dolphins 33 to 17. I mean, <laughs> you're right. 
for a team that at times feels like the yeah they got blowout win they 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 have how many whatever you what would you consider a blowout win in the NFL two like three scores like seventeen or more uh blowout win I'd say anything over two touchdowns so I'd say fifteen and above don't you think sometimes a game can be get to fifteen and it wasn't a blowout necessarily like when you eyeballed it you know but. I would yeah, say that, I'd say seventeen, but you're yeah, right. It also, like, de- it also depends. Like you get a late pick six or something when it's actually yeah. a ten point game. Here's what I know: I, I think for the roller coaster ride that has been this season, the overwhelming majority of teams, maybe like this, if you just looked at this season, besides probably the Chiefs and the Bills, maybe the Eagles, but I think it's easy to say that now because they're twelve and one. I think most teams just hey, you can be nine and four, huge point differential playing your best football headed in December, right? Everyone signs up for that. Like that is just a lock. What you sign up for to go 11 and six or 12 and five, but it doesn't feel like that they have the last couple weeks, but the season doesn't quite feel like where we're at right now with the results. Cause obviously we'll get into Debo a little bit later. Hopefully Kyle said no break. So he's going to be okay. They've had some crazy injuries. Are you saying hopefully Kyle says that or Kyle said that? No, he said that there is no, it's not a broken ankle. Um, so, and obviously he avoided a knee injury, but they have lost guys. I mean, like like starting corners, starting quarterbacks, you know. They they've Debo has missed a game. Kittle's missed time. Uh they do the McCaffrey trade and then he gets dinged up. Elijah Mitchell's been lost twice. It's it's been a crazy season. There's just there's no way about it how they got here. Last season was much more nail-biting roller coaster ride till the end. Clearly this is going to be a softer landing as uh, the, the, I think the fed, that's what they're looking for in the American economy. Mm. That's what I think the 49ers have had a softer landing, especially with Seattle losing today. So now this is not a must win game Thursday. Now you can win it. Like think about this guy. If I would have told you would the Niners sign up for a season where they can win the division on December, what day is the 15th against Seattle? Would they have signed up for that? December 15th, they can win the fucking NFC West. Because what you win the division, you're guaranteed a home game. Hell yeah, they would have. Don't you think? Would everyone in the organization have signed up for that? Come on, of course. What, would every team in the NFL in the middle of August sign up for you can win your division on December 15th if you win you know, a Thursday night game, do you think? Well, has anybody clinched a playoff spot yet? E- Eagles like Philly, did today. Philly, Philly has, yeah. Philly did today. So they could be the second team in the league to clinch a playoff spot. I mean, obviously, Buffalo and Kansas City are going, but they haven't until you win your division. You haven't clinched a spot, right? I'm I Kansas City. Kansas City's division. They should just give them the fucking t-shirts and hats now. What are we waiting for? Like math. They're the one team. Like the math. I'd give it to them. I'd even. I guess Miami could win tonight. They're technically still. They play Buffalo again. I don't know. Yeah, but Kansas that, City's that, winning the division. That's what you're saying. <laughs> they could be the second team in the league to clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, which and Philly technically hasn't the, even won the division yet, right? It feels like what? Philly hasn't officially won the division. No, they've just clinched a playoff spot. They still play Dallas, but they do like the Niners. They got that two game cushion, which is they're in pretty good shape. Cowboys guy. If the Eagles were to slip up one other game and lose the Cowboys, like the Cowboys got the Jags, the Titans, and the Commanders. Well, why would host Philly? They, 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 yeah, why would they have? Why would the Eagles even have to slip up? Dallas well, could just beat the, them head to head and take the 
No, because the Eagles only have one loss. Dallas has three. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at for some reason I was looking at uh yeah, you're right. But like Philly, but like I would say Philly and, and the Niners. Now, obviously, Philly's gonna have the number one pick, but that two game cushion <clears throat> when you have four games remaining is wouldn't you admit wouldn't you agree pretty fucking wide? <laughs> that's a that's a big deal. Because you basically have to lose three, and they only got you know, it, it's it's a major major cushion. Unlike baseball, where two game lead the final week, if you fuck up, like can go away. Football, it's pretty difficult. I mean, the Niners are literally playing Seattle head to head. They can lose the game; they're still in first place. Uh, I this thought had not crossed my mind before, and I actually don't think it's crazy. Question from Joe. Uh, question from Joe on the screen. Stream. Why hasn't Kyle gotten any Coach of the Year recognition? Now, as someone who's going to be who's going to disagree with something Kyle did today later in the show, I will say this to Joe: uh, if they, yeah, like if they end up as the two seed in the NFC somehow, which is not out of the realm of possibility because they're only a game behind Minnesota right now, and we'll talk about that later, he should get consideration. Now, ultimately, Philly run like if Philly's the one seed, then then uh, what's his name will win the thing. I think. Well, if he goes 15 and two, they went nine games last year. It's a six game improvement. Like if Kyle were to win 11 games, it's actually only a one game improvement. I know the <laughs> yeah. quarterback situation. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I, there's a difference between should you get consideration and should you win? Yeah. It'd be hard to argue if Philly goes 15 and two that he shouldn't win, but yeah, Kyle should absolutely get consideration for coach of the year. If they keep this thing going, would you Sirianni's heavily in the lead, right? Probably. Nick Sirianni is heavily in the lead. Yes. <laughs> It'd be like having a six or shot, seven shot lead, like in the Masters heading into Sunday. Like it's gonna be hard for him to blow it. Yeah, they, they are, they're like, good. I mean, they're, they're just good. And, and part of it is like they get credit. He gets. It's kind of a big picture. The Jalen Hurts situation, turning that into a winner, and then getting better. It looked good last year, then making it even better this year. But who says I mean, no first? Purdy for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I think that Niners ask if they can put that one off for a couple more weeks. Maybe. Are we sure? I mean, Kyle might not do that deal. Jalen's pretty accurate. Jalen's good. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen's pretty good. So uh, that's not a crazy thought. I am pro Kyle Shanahan. As I disagreed with him on the internet today with a lot of people, not with Kyle. Kyle was not on the internet today. But um, yeah, I I think it's a legitimate take by Joe there. I had not considered that possibility because this happened really quick. Kind of like the way that Caleb Williams won the Heisman in like the last two weeks of the season out of nowhere, you know? Kind of similar. Like if the Niners finish as the two seed in the NFC, it would be Shanahan out of nowhere being a coach of the year candidate. Difference was that I'd say Caleb benefited a lot from a pretty questionable competition in terms of the other, like no real like stalwart guys. That yeah, are, like, like Alabama was not undefeated. Ohio State kind of limped at the end. Yeah, Michigan's running back was having a good season, but not some like historic season. There weren't like Christian McCaffrey's and Tebow's littered yeah. throughout. Like, yeah. e I'd say yeah. even if Sirianni went down, well, what if Mike McCarthy won 14 games with e e Dak missed games? Yeah, yeah. But I do think the NFL... Mike McDaniel took fucking Tua to the playoffs, potentially. Or potentially not. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Saley not getting votes. Uh, how about Baltimore, John? Every time you look up, it's like, God, it's Harbaugh on his way out. And then nine and four. <laughs> Ugly nine and four, though. Yeah, but that's what they do. They are yeah. a better version of everything the Chargers have ever been, is what the Ravens are under Harbaugh. Yeah. 
They're just they play like the Rivers Herbert Chargers, except they win more games in the end than they lose. Well, the dude that came in for Huntley today is that Oregon's quarterback from last year? Who came in for Huntley today? Well, Huntley got a concussion. What's okay. what, who's Oregon's quarterback last year? Anthony Richardson is that his name? Brown. Anthony Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he came in today. Was he Baltimore? Is he on the Ravens? I don't know. You tell me. Is that who came yeah, in today? Well, Anthony something came in, and I would assume that he was the backup quarterback for the Ravens. So yeah, I, I didn't. I, I did not see much of that Ravens game today. I didn't uh, see a second, but I just saw on social media. Oh, that uh, Huntley got KO'd. Huntley got a concussion today. So their backup quarterback is yeah, it's Anthony Brown. Yeah, it's from yeah. Oregon. Anthony Brown, who I thought was a below average college player, is in the. It's crazy how this works out, you know. Really is. It was three of five passing and a 16 to 14 win over Mitchell Trubisky. Crazy. There you go. Brock Purdy had his own father crying in the stands today. A performance that was just incredible. You know what I was thinking during the game was what backup quarterbacks normally don't do, or in this case, third string quarterbacks. And I've said this for a long time. I mean, you tell me, you. You tell us because you scouted these guys. But I think one of the big differentiators between really good quarterbacks and really good starters and everybody else is that the backups generally, it's not so much they don't do all the spectacular stuff that the starters do. It's not always their arm is a problem. I think by and large, the problem with backups is they don't do the simple things consistently really, really, really well, which is what starters generally do. I think starters get a lot of credit for bigger arms, being more athletic, being higher draft picks or whatever. But I think one of the big separators is the backups just can't consistently make the throws that you have to make and the plays that you have to make to score repeatedly in an NFL game. The games are long, the seasons are long, and the backups don't do the simple things. And I was watching Brock today going, he just makes a lot of the simple things look the way starters make them look, simple. I thought that was going to be my take on Brock today. And then he comes out and does some of the crazy stuff that the good starters do. And I just was blown away by the way he played uh, against the Bucs. It was an incredible first half. I mean, it it really was. I I think a lot of times when a backup quarterback gets thrown in the game, he doesn't have much time to think, right? The way Jimmy went down. When a a backup quarterback comes into a game based off an injury – there is just all of a sudden you're warming up and you're in the game, yeah. right? It's just like get in. It it it, it snowballs fast. Which and then is you just what kinda, every. Sorry, keep going. So you just you you never know after that game like is that who he is, good or bad, right? If a guy shits the bed, you're like, well, it's not even fair situation. Or if a guy's really good, well, they didn't have the scouting report. There is no way around what happened today, right? I would imagine Todd Bowles and those guys. I'd be stunned if they didn't break down several of their best opponents that he played the last couple of years in college to get like a legit scouting report on him as a player. Like they watched Iowa State film this week, the players and the coaches on Brock Purdy. And he still destroyed them. Now, Brock, who many people this week said, I, I think people are overvaluing like Jimmy's role. And I know I think last week when Jimmy got hurt, I'm like, oh, there's no way they're going to be a potent in the playoffs. And you start realizing they are not dependent on this guy to be Burrow Allen, Lamar Jackson. Like, they're just not. Like, he he really just, he hasn't turned the ball over and he's played well on third down. But Jimmy Garoppolo was not explosive in the red zone. 
And what did they do immediately today? Several red zone touchdowns. Like this guy, how many red zone touchdowns do they have the last couple weeks? He had a couple last week. He had a couple this week. He obviously ran one in. He brings an element. 50% red zone TD percentage coming in the last week and the previous three, I think is what the number was, something like that. So then this week, they, I mean, obviously Debo had the one run, which Purdy doesn't do much, but like he gets credit, like being the starting quarterback for a red zone touchdown. And obviously he runs one in and um, I'm forgetting some of my plays now. Did he, I guess the, the Ayuk one at the end to make it 28 nothing was outside of the red zone. But he was he was good. I mean, he's just he's very poised, yet he is athletic enough to make shit happen. Now, occasionally and the, he and does the, your sorry, and the McCaffrey was outside of the red zone. And the McCaffrey was outside the red zone. He does the 360 stuff, but he's not I, I think sometimes Jimmy people think he's afraid to let it rip down the sideline. Like he will throw it over the middle. Brock will too, right? You saw Tom today throw it over the middle. The middle of the field is not Jimmy's problem. He just refuses to kind of let it rip outside the numbers. I would say Brock Purdy is not hesitant to do that at all. Would you agree? I also think uh, I would agree with that, and I was asking you this beforehand, something that Purdy made me think today about Garoppolo, and I don't know the answer to this. I'd be curious to talk to somebody who's watched a lot of Jimmy's college tape or somebody who was around Jimmy in college. Did they throw the ball down the field in college? Because I think part of it with Garoppolo is he's just not that accurate on those balls that he really cuts loose down the field. And Brock is. And I want it makes me wonder, did Jimmy do that when he was before he was a pro? Because Brock did, right? Like you could have not a strong arm. Um, I would say Baker's an example of this, right? Baker does not have a great arm, but Baker is comfortable cutting the ball loose downfield. He did it a ton. He's done it a ton in his career, right? I, I sometimes when Jimmy, whose arm is no worse than Brock's, if not a little better, I, it's not a thing that he appears to me to be very comfortable or confident doing. And the reason I feel that way is because I don't think he hits the target many times when he does it. Brock, no. whatever his limitations are, seems to hit the target down the field pretty well. It's something he's done a lot. Like at Iowa State, they did it a ton. He did it for over 12,000 yards in college. So that is one part of that that I, that I wonder about. That's a pretty cool photo. Uh, I, for those of you listening to the podcast, B- Matt Burrows tweeted a photo post game locker room scene, and it's uh, Kyle sitting in a locker next to Brock, just kind of leaning back, relaxing, talking to him, and Brock just sitting there. Um, and Kyle's asking, you know, would you sign like five years, eighty million right now? Or <laughs> so uh, he's just. I think I saw somebody in the chat say this earlier, checks every box. You can only play as many games as you've played. He's only played one start and one game. Um, and careers are long and seasons are long. And once upon a time, Carson Wentz was almost an MVP. And then he was on his third team in three years. So it takes time to really become whatever it is that you're going to become. But I'm with you. Like I think what you said a second ago where I, I interrupted you because I'm so excited to talk about Purdy. Sometimes there's something to be said for what Brock and what Baker did last week. Every athlete's always just trying to get into the zone, right? Where you don't think you're not thinking you're just playing. And, you know, I think that's kind of the situation. Both of them were in Thursday for Baker and Brock last week when he came in for Jimmy, it's different when you have a week to be the guy when they've got a week to prepare for you, but it's different when you have a week to think about it and prepare for it and cloud your brain with all the things that can cloud your brain. 
And I, I, that to me is where the value in watching him play against the Bucks was, was he showed us how, how he did when there was no time to think. And then he showed us how he did when there was time to think. Now the Bucks run a short week, just like Seattle will be, whatever. You can only, you know, you can only take the steps that are in front of you. And right now, uh, especially after you got crushed on the first play of the game. <clears throat> That's where I think for being a young quarterback, because <clears throat> we talk so much about Trey Lance and his inexperience. And Trey, in a weird way, obviously is an underdog because no schools like Brock Purdy. He could not have gone to Iowa State and started over Brock Purdy, right? They, they he couldn't have beat him out. That just was they didn't even offer him a scholarship, like he, so he wasn't offered to go there. But then when he does go to a school, he only plays the one season. They are, I don't think they put like FCS games on the board on the gambling board. Like I don't think you can just bet in the regular season North Dakota State versus Montana. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you can't. But, but if you could. They are the heavy favorite in every game they play. Where Brock Purdy played in a lot of games where, despite he's there, a lot of people are probably saying, uh, is he good enough to be a Big 12 starter? And then he's on a team that's not supposed to be as good as a lot of teams they're playing. But he gets to play in all these games. So even the Trey play, like only got the one season. This guy got four fucking years. Four years. You know, of just a lot of game action against a lot of people who made a lot of money. From Matt Rule to Dave Aranda to Lincoln Riley's teams to... Mike Gundy's teams like played at a pretty high level football and was an underdog the whole time, even though he was having success. And I'm not saying being the underdog, but that mentality, like watching him talk this week, he's just an impressive, like serious cat who just had to re-believe in himself despite having a lot of success. And then he got drafted in the NFL. Like ultimately, if you just meet someone who's in his 20s, and he goes, I got drafted in the NFL. You, you would have, even if he wasn't in the NFL anymore, like, holy shit, that's this guy. If, I, if you had never met him, you're like, where'd you play college football? How, how many years yeah. did you play in the league? Well, that's an imp- incredible accomplishment. But in Purdy's case, it's just like, oh, Mr. Irrelevant. Like his own draft pick is its own unique thing. And rightfully so. It was literally the last pick in a draft. It was always the thing with baseball, right? Well, Mike Piazza, all these guys that could get drafted, well, it was like 700 rounds. So we didn't give it. No one ever asked, for the most part, unless you're a super high bat draft pick, what you round you were drafted in baseball. Because doesn't really, there's no context to be had. Warren Wasn't football, Mike's dad friends with Tommy Lasorda? Wasn't that yeah, it was like his, you know he went to Italian dinners at his house when he was a kid or whatever. But in football, if, if you met someone, you know I was drafted in the NFL. Your first comment is probably like, "What round?" Right? Or like, there's context when you're drafted. Yeah. And then to have to make the team, be a third string quarterback, what happened? The way it happened, and then to me to make your first start. And like any quarterback worth their salt, they always say, well, it's it's not me versus Tom Brady. We're never on the field at the same time. But it is Tom fucking Brady's return to the Bay Area. I mean, that's it's a pretty unique game in the history of Kyle Shanahan era. Tom Brady came to the Bay Area, and Brock Purdy was a starting quarterback. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I but do But he doesn't play like this little engine that could, right? Well, that's, because, that, that's one thing I, I respect. And if and if you do chip on the shoulder thing and mm-hmm. that's your thing, that's fine, too. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the performance package 5.0 
Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts, Boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code HAM. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot tournament season or the fight for playoff home court there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year so get in on the excitement with prize picks america's number one fantasy sports app and you can get it on baseball too i've got some season long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs uh, not off not feeling great about shohei less than 38 and a half right now but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app, 
And uh, it's real easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the Game Time app now. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to tecovas.com, and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented western wear and it's all kinds of western staples trucker jackets the perfect jeans to go with your boots performance pearl snaps cowboy hats bandanas you name it they'll get you outfitted if you can't make it to a store tecovas delivers the most premium quality most comfortable western goods right to your door visit tecovas.com that's t-e-c-o-v-a-s.com and point your toes west Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said done. But I think, and I said this the other day, one thing that impresses me about Brock Purdy is that he has the confidence, he just believes in himself. He doesn't do chip on the shoulder. And you know, Tom was, Tom Brady's part of his story, right, is chip on the shoulder. Everyone passed me and it drove me, which is, however you succeed, you succeed. But I I do think with Brock. I mean, one of the most famous clips is him when he has a long hair, talking to table. It was, it was a t- when him and his dad remember went on a walk in like yeah. the fifth round. Yeah. He was like, it, it was a, t- a tough day. He won championships to him. Like it was a tough day. Absolutely, and that's fine. It's just you feel how you feel, but but Brock gives off an energy that he he just really be- now Tom believes in himself. It's just a different way. I I, I don't know. I te- I like that about Brock that it's not chip on the shoulder. Nobody believed in me. Maybe he thinks that I don't know, but. Well, from a football perspective, plays to prove anybody wrong. He's just playing to play to his ability, whatever. Why just say from a football perspective, a couple things he got going because clearly he looks small, right? From the eye test, obviously relative to NFL players, but you're just sitting on your couch. He's the smallest guy on the field. He's accurate. Uh, You know, he clearly tough, which to me is a important characteristic. Like one thing watching the Jets today, I can see why those guys like Mike White. Guy, he literally got KO'd twice. One time had to go to the bench, comes back. The other time had to go to the locker room, and Tony Romo goes, 
Yeah, I've broken ribs before. That sure as hell looks what that happened there. And he came back in the game both times. And there was just a level of, we don't talk about it enough because like arm strength, size, movement, like toughness. Those guys fucking feed off that shit. Why? Because Trent has to be tough. Kittle has to be tough. Debo has to be tough. check, you know, Mason, obviously McCaffrey. Like toughness is a huge element of football. And when they don't think your quarterback's tough and then you're you're questionable, you're Zach Wilson, right? They can't stand you. When you're tough and you're making plays, it's just, I would say, the nature of the sport. Guys just gravitate toward you, right? It's just a natural gravitation. toward. Like one thing with Tom Brady, in the history of his life, always tough motherfucker and always a playmaker. So And he was just like this leader, like lead us and in the leader. battle, bro. Yeah, yeah. And there, there were was, stories this week of like Brock screaming at guys in practice and guys well, were like, Trent you know Williams, what? quote. What did Debo say last week? He called. He's got nuts. He called a timeout without even asking Kyle if he could. <laughs> um, the play he made. So they scored a touchdown on the first drive. Their second drive's terrible, right? He tries to the defenders up. He tries to throw the screen to Kittle. Kind of throws it over him. wasn't a bad pass. It just was not a connection. McCaffrey and they got it. Up. Then they got it in this midfield because Bowles tried like a sixty-yard field goal. Yeah, which wasn't close. It was short and wide. What a and, terrible uh, attempt. It was really bad. <laughs> it was bad. Even Burkhart was basically like, oh, uh, well, all right, here we go. We watched him in warm-ups. He barely made this one in warm-ups. He made a 50 was a career. He never even attempted one that long in his long. career. Yeah. Um, so so that drive was bad. They punt. The play he made, I don't know if you have a favorite Purdy play from the game, but one of them was the Olay play two drives later. I thought on the third drive where he kind of stepped up, kind of ad lib, hits Kittle over the middle um, for a first down. It was a first down play, and then he hits Kittle over the middle for the first down. One that was kind of high or like one in his stomach? Uh, it might have been a little high. That one led to a touchdown. And then the next possession was the he rolls out right. Joe Tryon comes charging in. He goes, oh, lay on him, lets him run by, and then throws – a dime to Debo. I mean, that play to the sideline, it was, I don't know if it was a linebacker. It was over one guy in front of another guy. That was one of the great 49er quarterback plays I've seen in a long time. And Jimmy's made some great ones. I mean, we, we've talked about Jimmy, but that was I, the play of the day. Avoid the rush, sidestep, do that thing, then step up and drop a dime in a really tight window to Debo. It was just, it was an incredible throw. Incredible. His touchdown that got reviewed like seven times to McCaffrey was pretty incredible dime as well. I mean, hits him right here over the shoulder, DB below him, can't underthrow it. I mean, that that was really the moment of like, holy, because it went 21 nothing, and it felt like the team they're playing, the route is on. Now, it didn't, I don't know if the game I felt was going to end up 35-7, to but it felt at worst 27-10. to Like this game... Honestly, it fell over a 21-0 guy. When you factor in their opponent and how anemic their offense is. But also where it fell over is like, this guy can keep putting pressure on them to throw the ball. That's something the 49ers all year we've talked about is like, here comes another 17-play drive to end up in a 10-yard field goal. You know? It feels like they can fucking score touchdowns now. Like, score touchdowns from inside the red zone and outside the red zone. Throwing the ball. We know they can bust runs. Hopefully Debo can come back. He can bust runs from everywhere. When McCaffrey looks like that, he can bust runs. Ayuk and Kittle can, you know, yards after the catch make things happen. But how often have they been – they broke it down a little bit, I think, in the second half, some of the air yards. Like, it just that, – that's not the 49ers that we have witnessed this season with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
he, he brought an element which feels weird because he's way smaller of throwing the ball down the field, like pressuring you. What defensive coordinators? I don't know who started this, but everyone's stolen it now. We protect every blade of grass, and and when you play explosive quarterbacks like Herbert's on TV right now, you know Mahomes, all these guys, Burrow, you kind of do because at any moment, like a twenty-five yard pass across the field, you see the the play. Did you see the highlight of the Mahomes like fling to McKinnon? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but it just you play these guys, they're flinging it, they're throwing it, they're just Allen's throwing dimes. That has just not been the Niners' thing, and even Ayuk today, it's like. Is he a threat now to go deeper? Not deep, deep, but like just deeper, which is an element they haven't had. And what did they do? Their fourth touchdown today to make it 28-0 came on a double move to Ayuk, who was wide fucking open at the end zone. The classic all career long. It's like, oh, Kyle's going to run, 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 go to the locker room. Instead, he they, they hit a big play, and he's like, fuck it. Let it rip, Brock. Second it week in a row like- he's done that. Second week in a row he's done that with Brock. It feels like he trusts this guy more than the other two quarterbacks. Not really even arguable right now. It does feel that Based way. on his play calling. Based on his yeah. play calling, he trusts him more than the other two guys. It, it could be. I mean, I also would wonder. You might be right. I, I do wonder if some of this stuff gets called. It's just that is the throw that gets made on. You know, like the Ayuk play got called. Just the ball didn't go to Ayuk. It would go to whatever McCaffrey in the flat. Purdy, Purdy is hurt. But he didn't come out of the game. He's got an oblique injury. Oh, said. okay. All right. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has to lead the league in impactful games with two catches. Yeah. But when one of them is a 32-yard touchdown, um, you know, I thought getting Kittle involved, he got Kittle involved early. He threw one a little high, but that happens. Uh, I feel like when you get the ball to Kittle early, it's a little like when Debo has a big play early. It kind of sets the physical tone because he's going to lower his shoulder and make you like you feel him in the secondary. And the other thing is, they're missing their two starting safeties. Why? It was that's just good coaching. Like eighty-five should cook when those two, you got backup safeties. Like he, you know he'll be thinking like I'm going to put one of these guys on the sideline when he tried. Also, it just it, it tells you what kind of game it is going to be because there are plenty of games where Kittle does not touch the football early, and you're like, is George just going to have to block today? And he did. He blocked for Debo on that. That was actually a pretty cool formation on Debo's touchdown, but. um I, I think it just kind of establishes like you guys, I, I, I would imagine as a defensive coordinator, if you ask them to rank who they're most concerned about, obviously George is very high, but it doesn't feel like George would be number one on their list just because Debo's probably number one on their list. Um, Again, I don't know how you pick. That's the one thing you notice when Debo gets hurt is like, well, they still got other guys to give the ball to. They still have McCaffrey. They still have Ayuk. They still have George. Jennings, well, I don't think they got a catch I'll, today. Well, I think Olsen was like, you know, when you look in this huddle, oh, he did have one. this was before Debo got hurt. He's like, they might have four of the most unique playmakers in the league. It was like McCaffrey, Kittle, Juszczyk, and Debo. For their positions, like, they can just... Obviously, we've well established, Kelsey's the best tight end when it comes to pass catching. I mean, I think he's going to go down as the greatest ever. But there is just an element of George and Juszczyk. Like, they become a Swiss Army knife because they can do it all. Right? They're just... And really, there's just not a fullback in the NFL like Kyle. And obviously, Debo is just one of the most unique players, fuck, we've ever seen. Yeah. And McCaffrey is, I mean, clearly one of the best pass-catching running backs of his generation. Oh, well, the, the touchdown game. catch was to have the ball. He had it. It got dislodged. He still kept the toe down and re-caught the football. It was pretty impressive. It was sweet. That was a great catch. Um, 
He can turn it. He can, and I think Alvin Kamara can kind of do this too. I'm trying to think of other guys. Like, he can just turn into a wide receiver, right? Like, when he's on the outside and playing the ball, he turns into wide receiver skills. Like, some running backs are good wide receivers. Like, you get them, like Austin Eckler. You get him on swing routes. You get him the ball in space. He's natural at it. A lot of running backs, you know, can catch the ball. And then there are other guys that, like, if Christian McCaffrey just had to start at slot receiver for the game, he'd have no problem getting you 10 for 100. And just run, like, go, you know, uh, little option routes and just you know, work the middle of the field, like, kind of just turn into Edelman or Welker for a game. He could do it. But he's, Ryan, he's probably couldn't do it. Like, physically, he's built his body up a little bit to take the pounding, right? Those guys yeah. – you you see some shots of him. He's just a little thicker than like Edelman look like. You could thin him up and just put him out there the whole time if you wanted. What, honestly, not a crazy off the off season thought. Uh, Ryan Vogelsong on the stream says what the announcer said was the four most versatile players in one huddle. True. So, you know, I uh, what I was going to say though is just I think that you wondered how would it's one thing to make the plays. It's another thing to look like you're completely in control. And I think that's when you hear the quotes from Trent, when you hear the quotes from Ayuk, Debo. I think what they're getting at is that Brock is in total control. You can't really tell someone else what to do if you don't have your room in order, right? And clearly, uh, Brock is very confident that he knows what everyone's supposed to be doing on every play because you don't, you know, you don't step in and tell someone else what to do and have it be received properly, unless you know what you're doing. And that was the other thing today. I just thought he looked like he he knew what was supposed to be happening on every play. He knew where people were supposed to be, and he seemed to make the right decision a lot. One key, though, is through your preparation, toughness, the respect, the way you go about it, clearly he had all that. Then once you play, like to gain, to maintain the respect, you got to make plays. Right, like what's Charles yeah. Woodson thing? Work hard, make plays. Part of why making plays is on work hard, make plays because working hard is what's expected in the NFL. But then the, once the game starts, like you got to produce, and that fucking kid produced pretty immediately. It was like this is kind of crazy. <laughs> like it was universally, everyone pretty much accepted it. I mean, our text messages, I'm sure, were similar from all sorts of people. <laughs> Obviously, Twitter was going nuts with just you couldn't watch it going. Is this serious? Because we've all seen random backups make a play or two. It's another thing to just have a half where you're just throwing up 28 points. And you're playing a huge role in it. That's another thing, right? The 49ers have a lot of quarterbacks that are like, yeah, you just won that game 24-7, to but what did he really do? And it, a lot of it's been void you know, or valid, and it's like not going to pretend like the quarterback you know, didn't do anything, but probably was on the scale of didn't do anything, or was he, was he uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes? They've had some didn't do much. Today was not that. I mean, the kid was slinging it. Made plays. Made plays. Made plays. Uh, Josh Dubow tweets, Nick Bosa on Brock Purdy, quote, we have a quarterback. I have no idea how to read that quote. <laughs> I think it means we have a quarterback, but it could just mean we have a quarterback. So yeah, I'll go. I'll uh, withhold judgment on that quote till we uh, watch the tape. This is just too funny to hold on. Did you see that Trey Greenlaw took his interception ball at midfield Fred Warner's like, you got to do it. Convinced him to do it. Went up to Tom Brady and got him to sign it. <laughs> and Tom did it. Tom did it, yeah. He said he fangirled out on Tom. On so the that's, field. 
Who had so the think about this? One of the Niners star players on the star unit of the team, the defense, goes up to the other quarterback and gets him to sign his interception ball. Like that's obviously every Tom, it's not like you have to uh, you know, describe who Tom Brady is to some random person, but like that kind of encompasses what today was. And that was Brock Purdy's moment against that. Like most people there were there to see Tom. Obviously the 49ers win, but like a lot of people came to that game in the secondary market to watch Thomas Brady play a game against the 49ers and Brock Purdy came out the store. If the if the Niners win that game like 35-31, do you think Tom is willing to a blowout everyone kind of the game's been over for a minute, Tom's probably already processed it. It's a little easier, maybe, as opposed to. I think to Tom's kind of hit the Tiger Woods part of his career where he's pretty cool in most of these situations. I, I don't think I've seen any situation where Tom has blown off like other players. Nick Foles. Super Bowl, though. Twice. Regular season. What was the second time? I think they played. I think Foles beat him again later, didn't he? I don't remember. I think Foles has beaten him post Super Bowl, although now that I say that, I'm trying to figure out where it would, how it would have happened. Like the Jags. I, I give you a pass, Super Bowl loss. Uh, Eddie says, did Tom shake Purdy's hand after the game? Yes. Yes, he did. And then he embraced Trent Williams afterwards. I saw that video. Um, You're right. Easier when you've had a quarter to just kind of soak it all in. A that, quarter? That <laughs> John, the game got taken off of Fox. You're sitting there. You texted me. Middlecoff texted me. He's like, what's going on with the Niner game? Like, what are you talking about? I just came back from commercial. You're like, well, I'm watching Seahawks Panthers right now. I mean, it was 35 to nothing with eight minutes left. 35. They were up 35 to nothing, guy. Okay. 35 to nothing. Foles and the Bears beat Tom his first year in Tampa. I don't think Tom shook his hand after that game. I think that was a Thursday night game, too. Guy, the second half after being up 28 to nothing, Tom throws a pick. McCaffrey scores. They're up 35 to nothing. Then Tom throws another pick where Greenlaw tipped it to himself. So it's like if you're a Fox exec, you just go, this is. From a Niners perspective, it was cool. By that time, it was even starting to get boring. The Bucks were were a tough watch. Yeah. Do they the want to? Do they want to preserve Tom's credibility for their booth? <laughs> yeah. He had gone back to back picks, and they yanked the game. That was the America's game of the week, and they were like, "America deserves better." <laughs> Which I don't. Seattle, you almost Carolina. never see that. Like you'll see it late. You never see it halfway through the third quarter. Do you think they did it because that's her employee? No. I don't know. That's weird. That's really early, guy. Ulti- I mean, Seattle, Carolina. What were they really playing for? The game was close. It was 35 to nothing in the Niner game. True. If it, if that game's th- like what I was thinking was if that game's 35-14, they may not do it. But it was so far gone. Why stop taking notes on a second INT? I mean, McCaffrey was still getting carries, but. You want to get into that? Let's talk about Debo Samuel, John. Uh, we'll start this conversation Sunday night with this from uh, Matt Barrows. Here's his tweet up on the screen. Kyle Shanahan said Debo Samuel suffered a left ankle sprain, said it's quote-unquote most likely a high ankle sprain. That is great news. Which, but they're bad. I mean, that that can knock you out for a month. Like That could be his regular season. 
Could be. But I would say if you ask me to bet, does Debo come back and play at 65%, I would say yes. It's not necessarily this week, but at some point, I think it's more likely than not, even if that's the injury, that Debo returns for this team. Would you agree with that? I I do think the high ankles, remember Mike Williams had a bad one, came back, fell on at one time, and then boom, missed a couple more games. They, it's yeah. really sensitive. I you know I'm no doctor, just Cal Poly, Fresno State guy. I think doctors say sometimes they can be worse than a break. Now yeah. we got to see the severity of it, right? Because uh, it can be a tear. You would always take a high ankle sprain. Again, not a doctor over an ACL. I know that. So I think when he was gone, they immediately uh, announced knee, and he's on the cart crying. I was pretty somber there for like ten minutes, just thinking like this sucks. I mean, he's going to miss. It wasn't just that his season's over with an ACL, but it's like that's a long for a guy, bigger guy. It's just. That's just a tough. It put me know. in a fuck. I'll be honest. <laughs> Debo, a big rehab guy for eight months. Like that's just. I, I started doing the math. I'm like, I, I don't love where this is headed for the next. Eight oh, you months. thought like 2024 will be the year when he looks good again? Well, I just thought you know it's just a monotonous thing. You got some time on your. You can eat. You know, it's just. Yeah. Kyle was furious. I don't even know who he was screaming at. You know, Hopefully he was pissed. <laughs> uh, when you go cart off the field and then it turns out high ankle sprain, that's a win. Right. They clearly utilize the front of the cart. Uh, And like you said to me, you texted me, you're like, no air cast is a good sign. He didn't immediately get ruled like out within 30 seconds. That's a good sign. So those things are all things considered. Bad sign is when you get bent back and it's a human reaction, whether you're holding a pebble, whether you're holding a football, whether you're holding your baby and your knee gets snapped, Mm. you and every human, you just go like this, right? It, yeah. Every player does it. So I just, I think I'd we all forgot. That's a good thing. point. When they came back from commercial break, I'd forgotten that he'd fumbled the ball for a split second. I'm like, why do the Bucks have the football? I was so consumed with Debo just got hurt. Fundamentally, I love watching Debo Samuel play football. And Debo Samuel plays a kind of football that most people just don't play at a level where everybody plays hard, at a level where the one percenters play extra hard Debo Samuel is a one percenter of a one percenter it's why he's received the rare award of being in the war daddy uh, category right he is a war daddy as you like to say and after he got hurt somebody tweeted at me and you because they knew what I was thinking I started making notes for the podcast already and they said is is Kyle Shanahan partly to blame for this they didn't say is it all Kyle's fault and my answer was yes and the reason I said yes and think that is because I've said for a long time that the way that Kyle describes Debo's touches when he's talked about it is different than the way I think about Debo's touches. I don't think all of Debo's touches are created equal. And um, I think it's beneficial to the 49ers to create as many of his touches outside of traffic as possible. You put him in front of six guys instead of 11 guys, Debo's always going to take on all 11 guys. That's just fundamentally how he plays. And... I think it's situational with him. I, I saw Akash, whose takes often appear in our uh, chat here, and uh, who I, res- I, I I got respect for a lot of his good takes. And this is a fine take. Like I think you can absolutely disagree with me, and I'm not calling anybody an idiot. But he said if you complained about Debo's uh, running play up 21 to nothing, then you should also complain about his touchdown carry. Or if you didn't complain about his touchdown carry, you can't complain about that play that got him hurt. And I disagree because because – the touchdown came, it was zero to zero. The play got hurt on, they were dominating. It was 21 to nothing. And um, 
I would equate it to a reliever who gets a lot of work. If your reliever, your closer gets a lot of work, you don't bring him into games five, nothing in the ninth. You don't run him up the middle, second down and nine up 21 to nothing at midfield. Now, if that play had been third down and one, I didn't have, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. If the score had been seven to nothing, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But I do think you can make an effort to pick and choose where you use Debo, who has been beat up in his career, has been beat up this year, and who seeks contact and tries to make, you know, physical plays physical. So all Kyle's fault? No, of course not. I'm not saying that. Not at all. But I have advocated for a long time to just kind of manage where and when you give Debo the ball. And I don't view tossing him the ball on like a sweep play in a zero zero game, the same as giving him the ball when it's 21 to nothing. I would rather hand the ball to Buck Mason there. Like <clears throat> he's a running back. I would like to limit how much you use Debo as a running back. And the reason I would limit how much you would use Debo as a running back is because running backs get tackled in tighter windows than receivers generally do. Now, it's not always the case for Debo because Debo will take a screen and cut that thing into the middle of the field and try to run through 11 guys. So I acknowledge, like, this is an imperfect, inexact situation. It's football. People get hurt playing football. But I've said for a long time, it's not hindsight. If you're new here, I've said this a lot. I would manage how and when you use those. I would just be a little more judicious with how and when you use those situations where you put Debo in traffic and 21 to nothing would not be the time. I, that wouldn't have been the time I would have yeah, to me, 21 to nothing though. The problem with that guy is still the first half. There's the NFL. You're playing Tom Brady. who That's just true. let a crazy comeback. Yep. I, I think the other problem with kind of your premise of the whole deal is Debo is a wide back. He's not a wide receiver. He's a wide back. When he said that last year, it's aged perfectly, right? He does not play wide. Re- Brandon, Ayuk plays wide receiver. This guy gets all of his action in a certain way. He does not catch the ball down the field. He's useless in the red zone, non-running the ball. Like he, His position is uniquely equipped to this individual. And like I understand trying to pick and choose the up the middle or just you know around the tackle boxes yeah. in runs. Because I don't even think that play was designed to go up the middle. Debo cut the, it back. The problem with that is, though, he plays basically Christian McCaffrey's position. He just lines up in different spots. You don't worry about when Christian McCaffrey runs up the middle. Like, I, I, I think there's an element of football at any moment you can get injured, right? You can get bent over. And I, I think when you play that game, it, it's just it, it's very very hard to do. And it's why I thought the Trey Lance critics, which may, you know, you maybe they were more than on Twitter. Uh, it's like guys, wait. It, yeah, that's where he runs. I mean, watch Josh Allen. Like, he, if he can't do that, I don't know what the fuck he's gonna do. And, and but people like and Jerry and Jerry Rice freaked out. It's like J- Jimmy Garoppolo got broke his foot running away from guys where he should just hit the yeah. ground. Yeah, right. So the, all the injuries in a weird way are a little different. Like Debo's position, he's getting carries every game, inside yeah. and outside the tackle box. Now, yeah. I, I to me, I looked at when it got late in the game, and when I say late in the game, like thirty-five to seven, I was like, I would yank. 71, 87, not 87, 90, 97, uh, 85. Like these guys would not, Trent Williams would come out the game. 44, Uh, 11. They they would come out the game, but that's, you would say historically football doesn't really operate like that. And Kyle is not alone. It's not, we've always talked about in the NFL. It's not like college football where you got a lot of replacements. 
he might go, well, or actually our backup tackle's kind of banged up too and Trent's feeling good. It's just he he told me he can kind of go half-ass and we we think he'll be fine. Like, it's hard, right? Okay, you pull, Ayuk never goes back in. It's like, well, we only got three other receivers now that Debo's injured, right? So it's, it, it, it's a little more complicated than we make it out to be, but I, I have no problem with calling football plays for football players that, that run those plays. Because I, I think then we pick and choose when guys specifically get injured. I have no problem late in games and blowouts when that happens. And Kyle has fucking clearly done that. But today with that play, I, I, I don't blame Kyle Shanahan at all. It, to me, there's a freak element of just the sport and physical players that just find themselves in situations. Because for every time like Debo has got bent over, remember the Packer playoff game where the dude crushed him? It's like, oh my God, is he alive? We thought he was like shoulder was messed up. Yeah. He's found a way out of that and ended up in the end zone. Like that's part of his brilliance and his in his dominance. And honestly, let's face it, part of the reason they gave him all that money, he ain't AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, who again have receiving touchdowns a day. Right? He does not play the sport like them. Yet to the Niners, he's like equally as dominant for what they need as those guys are to their teams. And Seattle, you remove DK. Obviously, with Philly, you move a- remove AJ. They'd be fucked. You remove Debo. They're not necessarily fucked because they have more reinforcements, but he's a huge reason. If they are going to be prominent in the playoffs, if he would have torn his ACL, let's say, worst-case scenario that we all thought, I started thinking, like, even with Brock Purdy playing like this, it's going to get a lot more difficult winning playoff games. Did that cross your mind? Like removing Without him the rest of the season is a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's part of why I was so pissed. And this is where I, I you know, everything you said there is logically, I, I, I think, I my because you're my, not alone. Like part of the reason for like, I think more people agree coming with me up just is based on. But part of the reason this conversation, like it's just kind of out there in the ether. Like Kyle's put this situation because this player, and maybe a little bit with Trey Lance, but Trey Lance has nothing in common with. And I'm not trying to be mean to Trey Lance, but Debo's an elite NFL player. Like we have Trey Lance might suck. Hope he doesn't, but who knows, right? And he got injured doing the few plays that he could function at. Debo Samuel can do more stuff, but there are things that he can't do that most people, quote unquote, at his position can. So he just gets the ball a lot behind the line of scrimmage, and a lot of times behind the line of scrimmage, end up in more physical tackles. So even um, on even on those screen plays, guy, aren't they a physical thing where he catches it and hits it right away? Yeah, absolutely. Now, generally, that play has four people tackling you, not everybody tackling. You're not trying to run through everybody. Um, But, you know, every time Debo gets the ball in a crowd, it's a risk. Anytime anybody gets the ball anywhere on a football field, it's a risk. I agree with that. This is just football. But I think when Debo gets the ball in situations like this, you are putting, you could argue, your most important player in a risky situation. I hold my breath every time Devo gets the ball in that spot. Sometimes, actually more often than not, he makes a great play, and he certainly scores a touchdown more than he gets hurt. He doesn't get hurt that much. Scored one today. Scored one today in a 0-0 game on an outside toss. Then when the toss first happened, it felt like, oh, this is going to be six, seven yards, right? Well, I felt good about Kittle out there in front. It was a different to me. That play was a different way to get the ball to Debo. You, I, I don't know that we've. Seen I'm not. That. I'm not arguing that. That's yeah. The, the outside well, runs and the pitches where he's headed toward the sideline are less physical than the toss up the field. To me, it'd be similar to. Part of it is I, the defensive lineman when they hold on to you, you usually don't get out. Where sometimes he can break DB's tackles, right? Like a defensive yeah. tackle grabs onto him, and I'm not sure exactly who grabbed him. He is more likely to be held up straight, and then guys hitting him on. 
between the tackles. And I also think the type of run, like this is where partly it happens. You know, McCaffrey takes the ball runs. Somebody tweeted me like, why is McCaffrey's touchdown run different than Debo's run? Well, fundamentally, just the run is different. The way McCaffrey hit that hole in a straight line with momentum, the tackle, even if he gets hit two yards past line of scrimmage, is going to be different than what Debo did was he took that play left, plants, tries to cut it back against the grain. He's got very minimal forward momentum. I think you're at greater risk to get stood up and bent backwards than if it was just a straight kind of downhill run. It was not the play that Debo got hurt on was not a downhill run from him because he cut it back. But I think every time he gets the ball in those spots, it's a little bit of a risk. You are using a pitch. And the question is, do you have to use that pitch right here? My preference, and this has been, this is not me reacting that Debo got hurt today. I've said this for a long time. I would not, I would be more careful with when I use those plays for Debo than Kyle Shanahan is. Now, maybe you're right and Kyle's right. Hey, I have to either call this game the way I would call any game, regardless of the score. I have to treat Tom Brady at 21 to nothing, like it's seven to nothing, or I don't give the ball to Debo. Those are my only two options. There's no in between. I can't drive this car at 60 miles an hour. It only works if you drive at 100 or you just decide we're going to park the thing and we're not going to drive it at all. That's a legitimate take. My opinion is at 21 to nothing on second down and nine at midfield, I go into the whole thing kind of thinking like the way if you play video games and you get the turbo boost, I would not just hit turbo every time Debo gets the ball because Debo's going to hit turbo. I would be more careful about when and where he gets the ball. Now, maybe the point is you just can't play a football game that way. That's always been my take on Debo, though. And to me, 21 to nothing in that spot, you want to – I'd give the ball to Buck Mason there. Give the ball to McCaffrey there. Whatever. But that's well, specifically in that situation, when you know how important he is to your team and and you're trying to get away with this one. Look, Shanahan's coached a lot of games just trying to get by with Jimmy. So let's not act like he's got to call every game 100 miles an hour or nothing because that's not how he's called the game with Garoppolo. Well, he's calling the game now pretty like that. <laughs> yeah, but, but like he's called games like that. Like let me mitigate damage and manage this thing to the finish line. He what if you say, hey, okay. motherfuckers, that's not who I am. This is me. I, I'm Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons of 28-3. Well, that, guy's the back. Jugular. <laughs> that guy's back. But he has called games at 65 miles an hour before with Jimmy. He's done it all the time. He's like, I don't want to play like Jamie Moyer, bro. I want to play like Syndergaard and, and uh, DeGrom. That's how I want to fucking throw. <laughs> so, you know, and, and again, I want to reiterate. I also think not- you got to factor in. They're, they're, if Elijah Mitchell was in this and they got two legit running backs, it would be like, what are you doing? But they don't. Debo's our second best running back. Now, I we could argue like Kyle. Look at like the way football works. He's an undrafted free agent. He runs like just play Mason. Like utilize him. You don't have to just keep Debo on the outside and just keep him on the edges. Now, if you wanted to make that argument, which I will make right, like I think that's a fair argument. Like, why doesn't Mason get more reps in the flow of the game just to give McCaffrey a breather and not have to force Debo? And I think it's just simple. It's clear they don't trust him at the level in the tight games. The last couple of weeks, they just don't. Like, it's just through their actions. They're not putting him out there where the game's in the balance. And then he comes in. And listen, I don't know how much to judge his whatever. 11 carries for almost 60 yards. And it just looked like, Jesus Christ. He's obviously fresh. But to me, his running style, a lot like Debo, he's seeking contact, getting downhill. Kyle, just play that guy. And now they're kind of going to be forced to, right, if Debo misses, let's just say, misses the next three games. I'll just pick a number. He's going to have to, because you can't give McCaffrey all the carries. He's going to get first-half carries, 
right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Mason is. And you okay. could have argued like it, it was kind of felt like you could do that today. Now, I think Kyle would be like, well, Debo was already rolling. He already had several carries. He'd already had, you know, catches that were equivalent of carries because they were the quick screens. He was being very productive. I mean, he was on pace for easily a hundred yard game. Who knows? Maybe he gets a, another touchdown in the game. Like He's our, one of our best players, one of our highest paid players, and he's rolling. I get him the ball. This is what we do. We get 19 the ball. I understand. And if he had broken that thing for a touchdown, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But I know or this, just or just it just got a normal tackle and hit the ground. Yeah, but but uh, but again, I would still feel the same way had that play occurred. In that I hold my breath every time you put him in that spot because he does. It's not as if Debo's never gotten bent backwards or never been banged up or hasn't been banged up this year. It just to me is always a risk, which is part of the sport. You take a lot of risks. I view it as an unnecessary one. Well, his style, let's just compare him and McCaffrey as running backs. Debo has a little like Barry Sanders in him in the sense of I can keep this thing alive, but in a physical manner. Like he's got like Barry Sanders. Like I can make this guy miss to then run this guy over with like Zeke, right? Because he's like, I can keep plays alive, but I can run through a guy where McCaffrey, you know, having not been super locked in on the last couple of years, it's got a little Frank Gore to him. Like, I'm not trying to set the world on fire every single run, like at the end of the run, right? Like, as the guy's taking me down, like, I'm not, if I'm not going to break this tackle, I'll go down. Now, in the open field, if I can stiff arm a guy like he did on the touchdown run, but McCaffrey's not looking to, like, I'm going to break your, your helmet chin strap on this play where Debo and Kittle have that. And Kittle in the open field, no big deal because a lot of times he's catching the ball over the middle. He's got a little space and he can kind of load up. Debo is doing a lot of this. Like sometimes even on the screens, you're like, he disappears for a second. There's just so many bodies around. He is just, he just plays with fire a lot in the plays that he runs, which ultimately are the successful plays that he has. I, I just think it's kind of a catch 22 with him with the good eventually come the bad. He's just, I, I just think it's what makes him so unique. I saw AJ Brown tweet. Cause clearly they're all kind of three tied together. AJ DK and Debo like, like, this ruins my night. Like, obviously, he had a sweet day. He scores another touchdown. And he sees, well, I, I watch A.J. Brown. He's catching all of his shit down the sideline, right? He's just, his harm's One way. or two people can tackle you in that situation. He, yeah, and, and I would say that every time that he's on the outside, that DB is smaller than him. Yes. Yeah, Most true. of the guys that tackle Debo are bigger than him. Linebackers and defensive linemen, for sure. If you are watching this video and you agree with John, uh, subscribe to the channel. If you agree with me, like the video. <laughs> um, let me get a couple comments here. Tom, well, like, like, like criticizing a coach. Let me just read this one real quick and then make your point. Criticizing a coach for using his players to their best ability in the second quarter is farcical. Good word. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you think G Jerry's going to lose his privileges, or he just got a little cocky there with the with his Instagram post? J oh, J uh, Jerry Rice. Yeah, was he not? Was he not sitting in the first row? Uh, 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 pushing goat juice. <laughs> I'm surprised he had a hand free. <laughs> well, the real goat's there. Can you push goat juice when Brady shows That's up? That's true. It's hard to push goat juice when Tom's there. That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, somebody said to me, like, you're just, you, you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or my guess is it's different when you're being paid millions of dollars to make these decisions versus just having this take on a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, well, if I was one of, my take was, I if I was Kyle Shanahan, uh, if I was one of Kyle Shanahan's assistants, I would say that in the meeting. I think we should be careful. I think we should pick and choose our spots about Debo. 
but I'm not. So uh, the only place I can do it is on Twitter and on my podcast. So God, you, it sounds like, like you got into a war zone. Though, on I got thing. into a war zone. It's fine. Like a lot of I, more people agree with you than agree with me on this topic, which is fine. The reason I feel confident in sharing my take, even though I fundamentally agree with a lot of what you said and what a lot of people are countering, like you can't, it's hard to manage a football game. It's just football and people get hurt playing football. I fundamentally agree with that. The reason I'm so confident in sharing my take in this one is because I've said for a long time that I, I think that I disagree a little bit with Kyle about Debo's touches and, and that um, I think they should be careful about how often they use. I think there's a limited number of bullets in the gun with Debo as a running back. And I would be a little more careful than I think they are with it. But, you know, Kyle might say, if you were here, I am careful with Debo's touches. Like, if it were up to me, if you told me Debo will never get hurt, I'd run him 17 times a game. But I'm careful about it. He might say that. Well, if, McCaff- if they hadn't done the McCaffrey trade, Debo's usage last month would have been way higher, correct? <laughs> Especially once yeah. Elijah got hurt. Yeah. It would have been skyrocketed. Yeah. Now, I'm, Debo, I, I mean, we're going to have to see more Jordan Mason, which I think he's deserved more time. And I just, guy, I've been around these coaches and some old school, some guys are more likely, you and I talked about it before we hopped on, pull up a Chiefs box score this this year. And beside Kelsey, it could be any number of cast of characters. For a lot of coaches, they just ride their guys. And sometimes, like, they have a young guy, and it's like, well, just give him some more burn. And that's where, you know, when you read these stories throughout the year and when you see blowups, the front office and the coaching staff aren't on the same page. Because a lot of times, the front office, like, use this guy. I, it's not like you, the front office, and I'm not saying they are, but Jordan Mason, to me, has shown more than enough in the last several games of speed, explosion, his style with this offense. Give him some fucking burn when it matters. Two, not just to, to like get him to succeed, to give these guys a breather and to take their pounding off. But they, they just will not play him when the game's like the true pounding's happening, right? Because right. in the second half, it, the, clearly the Bucks kind of, I'm not even counting it quitting, but the game was, it's like, what are they doing this for? Uh, Actually, he had a season and career high 11 carries today. Well, I know. Well, he played a shitload because the game yeah. was over. And he got, but like, what if in, what if he would have got 15 carries and five of those would have been mixed throughout in the second quarter instead of like when he wasn't going to run it, Christian Debo was getting becoming the running back because Mason was not in the game. They, they don't play him. They have, it's back-to-back weeks. I, I would guess that's going to change this week, assuming, you know, I think it's fair to assume Debo's not playing Thursday. <laughs> Is that a fair assumption to make? Yeah, yeah. And I'm I think under that a, a win would be pretty huge Thursday if you can wrap up the division and then not worry about Debo until the postseason, right? Although, you know, you kind of want that two seed. That's a whole other thing. But just to at least have a floor established for what your team is. I would imagine they don't practice the next three days. Like they're not going to, I mean, walk through stuff. I mean, you see how many guys they lose today. Every every other play toward the end, guys were limping yeah, off. Given's like, got Kerry Hyder. Yeah. They have lost a lot of defensive linemen. I mean, you can. Jimmy Ward. The problem is back, the, but the, the Niners have signed a lot of like random McGills and you know random guys to fill in. There are only so many three hundred twenty pound bodies on the on the open market now in December that you can maybe you have to sign guys up a practice Jeff squad. Schwartz. Yeah, I mean, he might be ready. To, can he give a couple snaps? He's on the open market. He's more, you know, those offensive linemen though. They know the plays. I need guys that react. They don't know what's happening. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a little different. How many games in a row has McCaffrey ended up bleeding now? 
He was bleeding again. McCaffrey bleed. I think he's got the same like cut that just bleeds every game on his left arm. I'll say this for him. When he's good, he's sweet. His game for the Niners have either been like, God, oh, it's kind of a weird McCaffrey game, or is this white LT? I mean, today he was. I love a good touchdown run where you know the safety's in the open field, you cut it left or right, and he's fucked. And then this guy has an angle on you behind you. He's probably a little faster than you, but when he gets, you give him like a stiff arm. It doesn't throw him to the ground, but it somehow like gives you a turbo boost and then you gain a little yardage and then you bust the run. Like that was, I love that moment in the tackle when he's coming. And honestly, the guy should just dive at your legs and trip you. Instead, he kind of goes high and you kind of shove and you get like an extra two yards of space and then you just walk into the end zone. I'm just going. He looked faster it. today than he had the last couple yeah, of weeks. He looked great. So you got McCaffrey for a 23 yard run, a 13 yard run, another 13 yard run, a 27 yard touchdown, a four yard run. That was part of what was cool about the touchdown run for him is that he had had a big run earlier that I thought was going to be a touchdown and got tripped up, not caught, just got kind of hit. And I thought, oh, he might stay on his feet and score early in the game, that first run that he had. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, but I'm with you. Like immediately, it looked like, oh, this is really good, McCaffrey today. What was his touchdown pass? You're, you're asking yards? how long was the reception? Yeah, uh, twenty-seven. He only had two catches in the game. One huge advantage he has is when he gets when they work him down the sideline, and now this has happened several times. A cornerback is not on him. So his advantage, and this is, I think, what Olsen meant, like, you just get such a huge advantage. Like, how many linebackers, think how many guys, like, when you play throughout the season as a linebacker in the NFL right now, and the game's so much spread out, you're not used to having, like, a fullback come on you, right? You're used to kind of, like, navigating offensive linemen coming to the second level, and then you just have to learn about the running back. Like, what's his style? Is he kind of hit me? Is he trying to get angles? You're not used to, you know, forever. I mean, our guy, Lorenzo Neal, he was the better or one of the best fullbacks, but every team had a fullback. So part of like in practice when we were in high school to when I was at Fresno State is like there were drills, linebackers versus fullbacks taking on shedding. Think how you could go a month in the NFL and not even sniff a fullback and play a lot of teams that like even their tight ends, not a blocker. So you're basically beside the offensive lineman you don't have to worry about you just have to worry about like if they put you in bad positions but you're not you check is coming at you so you're, you're kind of approaching i wonder if that's a huge point of difference for the niners of just even good linebackers aren't used to kind of shedding kittle and use check because most tight ends in the nfl can't block and definitely they're just fullbacks don't exist that's got to be a huge pitch of just like makes guys a little uncomfortable that you're just not used to because they get to those second creases quick yeah I, I saw, a, you know, you just made me think, a Derrick Henry highlight today. They got their ass kicked, didn't they? Uh, they did. But he had a big run early in the game, like up the right sideline. And I was like, well, just watching the play, like, is he going to step out of – what's he going to do here? This run, there's three guys around. This run's about to end. Is he going to step out of bounds or is he going to take on three guys? Now, He's what do you think Derrick Henry did? I think he went out of bounds. He did not. He just took on three guys and he went down about where he would have gone out of bounds. And I started thinking, like, because my did first reaction was like, did he like, was it a huge impact? Like, was it a collision? You know, I mean, no, but, you know, weird things happen when three guys are tackling you. I just, you are putting yourself at risk unnecessarily. It wasn't a big collision 
you know, in terms of NFL collisions. And my first reaction was like, Derek, what are you doing? Just run out of bounds. But I do wonder if part of it is he is six three two fifty. Yeah, well, it's that <laughs> part of it's that. But if you always run out of bounds, then the guys that are coming to tackle you, I would think, are just a little more sure of themselves as they approach you, right? Like they can run harder at you if they're confident that you're not going to hit them, that you're just going to try and get away from them. When there is the threat of me hitting you, you don't come at me as hard. It's kind of a little reverse psychology. It's like a little counter. Isn't that that a Debo thing? It's a Debo thing too. And, and so I wonder if like psychologically, he's like, well, actually if I, if they always know I'm just going to try and get away from them, then they can run harder at me and hit me harder. If they think I'm coming at them, they have to kind of approach in kind of a defensive way and I don't get hit. It It kind of puts them at maybe a little bit of a disadvantage. I I don't know, but that's definitely the same thing you're describing. It's just when you're going to fight for that extra yard, in some ways I have to approach you differently as a tackler than when I am confident that I can take you out. Well, I mean, a huge reason, obviously he's talented and he's smart and he's, you know, excellent player. But like the reason Frank Gore played for 75 seasons was because he did not take a lot of unneeded shots. And honestly, when shots could have been had, he avoided them, hit the ground a lot. He played a lot like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady played quarterback. And look at those guys' career, like the three of them. How long do they combine for? Right. Because there is an element. Listen, it's a bravado, tough, physical sport. You got to be confident, cocky, fucking crazy a little bit. But I would say a lot of the great players historically who have not missed a lot of games use their head a lot more than they didn't, right? It's a it's an IQ game. It's a thinking man's game, despite the physicality of it. And one thing I've noticed with McCaffrey, he he's a pretty smart player, yeah. you know? I, obviously, like, skilled-wise, but he is not trying to act like he's Debo Samuel on contact, right? I, and I don't blame Debo and Kittle... Because a huge point of their success has been made off that physicality. So it's hard. It's always the balancing game of like, I don't really want Kittle to change. Like That's kind of who he is, you know? And honestly, Debo, like that's kind of what's going to make him special, right? McCaffrey's a little more skilled, you know, for his position that like, he's not going to play like Zeke. Now, there were a couple of times today I looked up at the Cowboys game-winning drive against the Texans, 17-point favorite. They, they basically got to the one-yard line. What do they do? Fucking Zeke ran through the entire line. It was just like, you just give it to that guy. That's just kind of his point of difference now. He's not fast like Tony Pollard or whatever, but it's going to be very, very difficult to tackle that guy in a one-on-one situation. And his career is going to be shorter lived than a lot of guys with his talent. But there'll be a lot of people historically that played in his era be like, I'll never forget tackling that motherfucker. Yeah. I think you're better off. Like, whose career is going to be longer? Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel, right? Like Brandon Ayuk's probably playing if he's all health, nothing crazy happens. Like 15 years in the NFL. Yeah, you would, right? I mean, it's that 10 year mark's going to probably be tough for Debo Samuel, and that's whether Kyle Shanahan was coaching him. I, I, you'd have to agree. Like, regardless who's coaching him, like his style of play is not like typically the ones that last forever. Honestly, it's crazy that Derrick Henry's has gone this long, guy. Uh, It is. There's always some outliers, but it is. I mean, Adrian Peterson went for a long time. He's bigger. Now he's a running back. I think yeah, that's I the mean, argument with Debo. It's like, well, is he a wide receiver? Well, kind of. <laughs> I think any conversation with Debo about 
well, you you want him to play. It's it's just a waste of breath to talk about wanting him to play differently, right? Now, I don't know. At some point, does he just slide at the end of some runs? Maybe, but then he takes two-yard plays and makes them eight. I thought that was kind of McCaffrey's game a little bit before watching him as much as we've watched him now. And it's really not as much Christian's game, right? Taking a two-yard run and making it five because you just fight. I mean, Christian runs hard and he fights. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I actually... No, it's not. But I kind of thought it was. Did you? Yeah, I mean, I, I... He was really, really. I think he was just a little faster and more. He was just a kind of a different player. I I think this is going into. I got to play more with my brains than just my all my physical attributes are always going to be better. I feel like we're watching a a guy who's kind of come into his own mentally because of probably the things he's gone through. Now he's watched a lot of football on the sideline. Like ultimately, Debo, he hasn't really had that much time to just think on the sideline in a boot or a cast or a shoulder. Right? (laughs) He missed a game here and a game there, but like. He's played a lot, his style. So I think sometimes when you've been injured, it probably makes you contemplate. And in a weird way, Christian got like handed this second lease on life from a football perspective to go to the Niners, right? Leaves this shitty team who's actually sneaky, not dead for the division. <laughs> I'm being serious. Carolina can still win the division. Uh, Christian is now, well, I guess he's played seven games now with the Niners. I was going to do a, he played six with Carolina, now he's played seven with the Niners. Do a little comp, but what do you have today? Fourteen carries. Yeah, one nineteen. So he had eighty-five carries with the Panthers in six games. He has eight. He has uh, what? What? Fourteen? Eighty-nine carries through seven games with the Niners. Um, he had. How about this little nug? Coming into the game, he had the same number of catches through six games with the Niners as he had with the Panthers through six games. Thirty-three. At almost an identical yards per reception, eight point four with the Panthers, eight point five with the Niners. Well, I mean, so he's per, kind of per, Purdy versus uh, team. Purdy versus uh, Purdy versus Baker Mayfield and Jimmy. What do you mean? Well, it's like he's just upgraded quarterbacks. Oh, I think he's gonna. He's about to. You saying McCaffrey's about <clears> to be better? For sure. Uh, somebody on the chat said, "Oh, this was a good one from." Uh, Dewan, Dejan, Dejan. Uh, I definitely thought Middlecoff was going to have the other stance that has to be about uh, being mad at Kyle. Um, I'm just every time I look down, I see Herbert making sweet plays and Tua making shitty plays. <laughs> Almost like you put good wa- if you're a good quarterback and you get receivers around you, you're going to excel. Waddle drop. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe that was a conversation. Well, it really wasn't. There's one idiot right. that doesn't shut up about it. As I like to say, nine, 8 billion people on the earth. Um, Jake Campbell on the stream says, where is the Greenlaw love? 15 tackles and a pick. You know, that's the guy they re-signed. At, was it before the season or at the very beginning of the season? <clears throat> I think it was like maybe that week stretch before week one. Might have been two weeks before. I, I'm almost 100% positive it was definitely before week one. Early in camp. Feels like a little later in camp for sure. I would say late September. If I had to guess, September 27th is when it was announced. <laughs> we don't guess enough dates on the show, you know? It's a good guess. Drake what would your Greenlaw, guess be? 10 solo tackles and five assist tackles. What? What would your guess be on date? Uh, I'm going to go with um, sep- you said September 27th. Is that what you said? September 27th. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, uh, August 
August uh, 30th. <clears throat> we can almost close to meet in the middle. September 19th. You were closer. September 19th? Yeah, so they had already played a game. They re-signed oh, they announced a guy. After, they announced a guy after they beat Seattle. So much shit has happened. I remember that now. It's like to be clear, after Trey shattered his ankle, <laughs> not they beat Seattle. Yeah, after Jimmy beat Seattle in the Jimmy celebration. How about that deal? Just two little two year cheap extension. What would that guy get on the open market? He'd get some cash. Yeah. Ten million a year. What's his? Well, I mean, we, probably not quite as much as him, but I bet. If Greenlaw would have had this season and they, let's say, don't franchise tag him and hit the open market, I would say four for 40 with like 28 guaranteed or something. 10 a year. I don't know what the highest paid linebackers is. It's kind of like tight ends, sneaky underpaid. Part of like when you watch a sweet tight end or you watch a sweet middle linebacker, like, are we disputing the value of these guys? He makes every tackle. He's tipping balls. Him and Warner are everywhere. It's like, because like Howie Roseman, the Eagles, they, they're not a big believer in drafting or paying middle linebackers a lot. And if you always have shitty ones and you get by and you have successful franchise without them, I kind of get it. But once you have <laughs> one sweet one, you'd be like, I need Bowman. I need Willis. I need Fred Warner. I need Luke Keekley, I need Ray Lewis. Like, look at the Ravens. They have Ray Lewis. Boom. What they do this year? Trade for what's his name? Roquan Smith. Because they're like, we just need that guy. The Steelers always value those like up the middle players. Yeah. Some franchise like, oh, safety. Fuck those guys. I'm watching the Niners' safeties make plays all the time. Like, I value those two positions, I think, more than some. The analytical community is not a huge believer in, like, drafting high and, and definitely paying middle linebackers, but it's like, where would the Niners be without 57 well, or 54? I know you're not going to convince John Gr- – I mean, uh, John Gruden, John uh, Lynch, right? Like, or no Kyle. You're, well, definitely Kyle. <laughs> but, I mean, John Lynch played it. Like, he knows yeah. what Derek Brooks meant to him. He knows, and then interior – no one's arguing about Warren Sapps of the world, I guess. But um, I mean, I, I'm not saying the Niners are lucky because they drafted these two guys. But I mean, one guy, I think Greenlaw was the fifth. Obviously, Fred was the third. I mean, if the league didn't realize how good these two players are, or they're not getting, I mean, they are dramatically. I mean, if you redo Fred Warner, what's Fred Warner getting drafted in the top 15 of his draft? Yeah. I think like top Fred- 15. I think I saw Fred Warner. I saw on Twitter, so I'm not sure. Tweet Fred Warner had a quote today, like "You need to talk about Dre Greenlaw the way you talk about me." It's a good quote, good way to say. It. Like basically, like all the stuff you guys say about me, you should be saying about Dre Greenlaw. Well, he's a elite open field tackler. That pick was sweet. Well, if Tip he up. wasn't signed by them, he'd be playing for D'Amico next year. <laughs> we lost John's mic. No, I think we did. We uh, can I unmute you here? Can you hear me? Yeah, but you're coming through uh, like your computer or something. Maybe hit a cord. Stand by. Everybody. Uh, While John is uh, tending to that. I might have to sign off and sign back on. All right, you go ahead and do that. And that means that I won the Debo argument. That's just about that. Trice. John Lynch should get more credit for building this defense. They looked fantastic today. They, I think we got to go back here on, uh, since the, you know, shutout to the Saints going into the Dolphins game, I have to, actually, this is a good thing to talk about right now. They gave up 40 points in the four games after they played the Chiefs, right? 
Rams, Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, 40 points total, shut out the Saints. That was four fewer points than they allowed to Kansas City, 44 in the game that they lost. And I said going to that Miami game, this is the number six offense in the league. This team is much closer to the Kansas City Chiefs offensively than the Rams, Chargers, Cardinals, or Saints. And basically, like, do it in this game and you'll prove something. Well, they held them to 17, which is pretty damn good. So this is a run now of one, two, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven games. Now they've played in that's not right. It's not eleven. Held an opponent under 20 points. They've played in 12. Falcons scored over 20. Chiefs scored over 20. Yeah, that is that's correct. So two people have scored more than 20 points on the 49ers. That's pretty crazy. I'm just triple checking to make sure I have that right. It's, no, not any better. What do you mean? You're still coming through the you're not if you're coming through the mic, then something's maybe mess with the cord a little bit. Sounds funky. Sound normal now? No, nah, there you go. Now you got it. I was just saying, John, while you were gone, we went to that Miami game like, all right, you held the last four teams to not a lot of points, but those offenses aren't good. But then they held Miami to 17. They held Tampa to seven today. So they've only allowed 20 points to the Chiefs. They allowed 28 to the Falcons. Remember, they lost to the Bears. The Bears scored 19. They lost to the Broncos with 11. And nobody they've beaten has scored 20 points in a Niners win. So they've allowed more than 20 points twice this year. Today was a onslaught ass kicking of, of Thomas in that offense. <clears throat> Who's had a rough season, but that's what you, I mean, they, they, you're up 35 to nothing in an NFL game in the third quarter. Like, I'm sorry, you're getting your fucking ass kicked in. And Tom was, it's not like Tom Payton and any of the big quarterbacks like, like getting hit. But he clearly wants no part of getting peppered. And right now, they're, you know, Worfs was out. Their offensive line, Donovan Smith is probably one of the worst starting left tackles in the league. He's started for a long time. They were kicking. I mean, they were just all over him, just shoving guys into him. Just He, he looked really uncomfortable. And I, I think a lot of people that have watched him say that are of like, are we sure, Tom? He has looked uncomfortable this year. And he could if he was on the 49ers, or any other team, the Raiders, he can't move away from pressure. Most most teams do not have four Trent Williams or five Trent Williams, right? So you are minimum going to have a couple guys that you you would love to replace. And it is football. Those people also get injured. So you're playing with, you know, I do think there was a report this morning. Uh, did you see like Rap Sheet kind of threw it out there? Everything's well, on the table is what Rap Sheet said. You watch games like this and you just wonder like, if there are people in Tom's life, like Tom, you got nothing left to prove. You're 45 years old. Getting hit sucks. Whoever he signed he, with. He got hit a lot today. He's been hit a lot all season. I mean, they've been missing. one At one point. <laughs> Did you see, uh, someone put the meme up like, is Al Shire about to get suspended for the next three years? Because the, the, the just still photo of him. Giving, like, uh, if you told me Al Shire gets suspended like on Thursday, I wouldn't even, you never I was know. like, what is Tom? Tom does talk to the referee a lot. I was like, what is he complaining about? And then you see the replay like, oh, yeah. I, I would say this year he's screaming more than ever. Screaming. It. Now he's, when's he ever lost this many games in a season? 
Well, I mean, honestly, when's the last time he had seven losses? I don't think he ever has, has he? Maybe his second year in the NFL. I think the Patriots missed the playoffs. Do they not have a nine and seven year? They did, yeah, and they missed the playoffs. His second year starting. So they win the Super Bowl, nine and seven, then back to back Super Bowls. But even in the years when they weren't winning Super Bowls, they I mean they won the division for 15 straight years. And then he gets to Tampa. People forget, like, they hosted the Rams last year in the second round. Right. Right. And Rams had to come back on them. <laughs> yeah. They hosted the Rams. That they were they hosted the Eagles. They, they didn't win eight games last year. Tom is not used to losing like they're losing. He is a very, very spoiled. Now, he's earned, like, he created that. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's spoiled just because he got handed wins. Like, he's the reason his team's won, him and Bill. And obviously with Tampa, he clearly is a major reason. But he does not handle losing very well. Now, you could go the Vince Lombardi quote, like, show me a, what is it? Show me a guy that's okay with losing. Show me a guy that's not a sore loser. I'll show you a loser or whatever. I mean, Tom's clearly got some of that, but in fairness to him, what, what would his experience be losing a lot? So like, he's like, Philip Rivers, like, you know, fuck, I went through some tough times. <laughs> you know, had a lot of seasons we missed the playoffs. You just kind of, it's the NFL, it's hard. You hear a lot of quarterbacks when they retire, like, I remember that three-year stretch, you know, when we won seven games a year. I didn't know if we'd ever get back to just a playoff game. Like, that, Tom doesn't talk like that. Every single season Tom has had for basically – I would say starting like with the Randy Moss teams, it was like Super Bowl or bust from like 07 on. Super Bowl or bust. And honestly, maybe it even started before that. Like once they won back to back, like he never went into a season without thinking like, I'm going to win the Super Bowl. Like legitimately thought that and was completely devastated when he lost because he just had in his mind all season long, we're going to the Super Bowl and then we're going to win it. Like how many, how many play, like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't start every season like that. How could he? He's been a fucking one. I'm not saying he's not trying to get there, but like Tom legitimately, more than Peyton, more than Rodgers, maybe Mahomes, but even Mahomes like has missed it a couple times. Yeah, I mean, the question is, does it make him want to play more or less? Does he think, mm-hmm. I cannot go out like this? Or does he think part of the reason we are in this position is because I'm not as good? Or does he think, I just need to get myself on a better team, and then the things I do will be more valuable, right? Like Christian McCaffrey, having kind of the same exact season he had for the Panthers for the Niners, just doing it on a much better team. And I wonder if Tom views it that way. Like, put me behind a real offensive line and a receiver I don't have to yell at. And um, maybe a real head coach. Maybe he doesn't think he's – I don't know. Uh, And then – and then everything that I'm doing right now that you think I look too old to be doing – won't look too old. I'll get the okay. ball out quicker. I'll get it to McCaffrey. I'll get it to Ayuk. I'll get it to Debo. I'll get it to Kittle. I got Trent, Trent Williams over here. Uh, McGlinchey's on my front side, so I see what's going on over there. <laughs> and and we'll be good. Here's the thing. When he had the season, because <clears throat> that's fair to say, and those are conversations you're going to have in these meetings at the end of the season, that all these teams that are going to go through the exercise, right, beside like – eight teams they won't even entertain it right we already know the cincinnati's the buffaloes the KC's, the chargers the probably philly but we just had this conversation guys four years ago and most people universally were like it's probably over like bill's not alone here right he looks and he was 42 now he's going to be 46 like okay i burn once i'll be you can burn me again on this one I think a lot of people are going to feel more comfortable like, you know, I, I'm not going to fuck around with this. And I think 
49er people to just witness that. Well, I think it's harder when you had a front row seat. He, you're right because he would if he was getting peppered in New England like that. Most quarterbacks are gonna look. I thought he looked really, really terrible, and I thought he looked really, really terrible last week. Beside the last two drives, he he looks old. The balls are flying places. I think for the first time in his career this season, and maybe it's because of lack of, maybe it's just simply age. Maybe it's just simply who knows. I you know there's probably a million variables. His focus. Balls are not going the same spot where he's used to going. So I felt that way as last year in New England, too. Like when he snapped at Mike Evans, it's like, Tom, Mike was just sitting there waiting for the ball and it fucking flew over his head. Trice Mike, says Brady didn't yell at Mike when he underthrew him in the end zone. Mike, he's fucking, or I mean, Tom, this isn't, you're not throwing to a, a five, eight guy here. I mean, Mike Evans is like six, four. He's enormous. They, they did he hit a home run touchdown that got called back. Pretty ticky tack holding, I thought. But. Yeah, Niners got the benefit of some penalty <laughs> calls. Um, I think your point about having just played him is good. It's the same reason that I don't think I could be wrong because there's just not going to be that much options out there. But if Stafford isn't back, I want you know part of the reason to me that I've said that I don't think McVeigh would be interested in Garoppolo is because McVeigh, even though he's been beaten by him many times, is not afraid of him. Um. I think McVeigh, part of what pisses McVeigh off is he feels like he should beat the Niners a lot, and he doesn't. But again, he he may just not have options, and Jimmy would be a good option for him if he doesn't have Stafford. Jimmy might be his best option, depending <clears> on well, money. I, I saw Greg Rosenthal said that it's pr- you got basically like how are the Raiders? Their owner wanted him the last time. Now he's got Josh McDaniels. You can flip Derek. And I, I'm just not sure that Kyle Shanahan and the Niners would – one, tie up a lot of money. Even if Tom gives him a discount, okay, $25 million for just a one-year deal, that is a lot of money to put on your books, right? Yeah. And obviously, I'm not saying historically you're going to take Purdy over Tom. Obviously, it sounds crazy, but I might short the 46-year-old. And and I quoted Greg Rosenthal, yeah. and I said, I not only think that the Raiders are going to be aggressive, I think the owner is going to like mandate it to those guys. Like you guys go get Tom this guy. part or the or the Derek's or the Derek part or both. Uh, Tom, I mean the whole thing. Like yeah. go get well, Tom, bring him to Vegas, and I, I don't think the offense. He doesn't tell Tom the GM Brady. that, John. He tells Dana. Uh, he Dana tells White them all. I, I think if Tom Brady, I, I could see him play for Vegas next year. I, I don't necessarily think one. I don't think he makes sense in Kyle's offense. I mean, one stable play of this offense is that natural boot. It's a staple play of the offense, which is literally the guy's baby. I mean, that's this, the offense is the head coach's baby. The team is, and the mindset is, but a huge mindset for his team is the running game, and then our passing game is based off that, but our quarterback doesn't need to be like Lamar Jackson, but he has to be able to move. Tom can't move. On, he never really could, but relative, like he cannot do those plays, right? Yeah. It's just not something that he's going to have in the back. Yeah. Matt Ryan was probably on the high end of like, this is pushing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I do not think Tom Brady is going to be on the 49ers. And I thought that before we witnessed this today. Which Rock was out plan. Not even that. I just, I, 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 listen, you missed. You should have done it last time. You didn't. And we all can have regrets. We've all made decisions we regret. I Fuck, I wish I would have bought 
ten thousand dollars of Bitcoin in oh in 2012. You know, then you would have had to also sell it, you know. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe I would have been greedy. I would have wrote I'd been like, oh, this thing's going to 200 grand I'm worth 700 million. But I you missed. Sometimes you miss and you just gotta take it and you don't try to double down on a miss. And that's what I think this feels like. And I think Tom Bray is one of the great athletes I've ever seen. I respect the shit out of everything he stands for and his work ethic and his desire and how much I'm a betting man. I'm betting against him being on the 49ers next year. Honestly, I, 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 you watch days like today and the majority of last week. I don't think it's a lock he plays next year. I wouldn't bet against him not playing because no, he's kind of crazy. But like, I know I do gone, think the, the Raiders make a lot of sense, guy. We've gone back and forth on it, and I've said, I, you know, last week we talked about him and the Niners. Um, but I, a lot of a lot of great careers end looking like this season kind of looks for the Bucks. When you say they all, I mean, 90% of Almost them. Almost all, yeah. I mean, some guys walk away, you know, after a championship or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, I'd say a lot of them end even worse. Like, the Bucks, for as bad as it is, are around 500. Uh, well, if I say Tom Brady's on the Raiders next year, what's your first reaction? Yeah. Is it like, wow, or is it like, I can see that? It's, I can see that. Feels like a weird fit from just like what the organization is. Like, would Tom go play for the Tuck Rule team? Like, given, but Josh is there. But from a franchise standpoint, he he did go to the box, which is not exactly a storied franchise, and he went and played for them, right? I read he'd be like, Rashi so you're gonna you think I mean, you want you you're gonna poo poo me going to play with Devante? You think that's stupid? You know, maybe Rap Sheet wrote this in his article, but it's like. He's a big fan of the Glazer family. That's, I think that I read that somewhere in a paragraph today about the Tom. I was like, I well, saw that just because they're super rich and he just like they take him to cool stuff. I was watching some of the World Cup coverage on Saturday morning and Ronaldo interviewed Harry Kane. And he was like, uh, you're a big Tom Brady fan, huh? He's like, yeah, you know, I watched Tom versus time and it really inspired me and I had a chance to meet Tom. He met Tom when Tom was on that soccer trip last year. And Ronaldo was like, you knew you found you you found out some what did Tom tell you? And he's like, I was like, Tom, congrats on your retirement. And, and Tom said to me, Well, I don't know if I'm exactly retired. Harry Kane. That guy knew. Tom told that guy he was coming back. So some of those guys on the soccer team had some good secrets, huh? Yeah. All right, John. Big picture uh NFL playoff stuff. The 49ers will have more time to talk about it this week and kind of break it down. But the Niners are now nine and four. Seattle is seven and six. At this moment in time, Seattle's actually not in the playoffs. The Giants at seven, five, and one are ahead of them with the uh for the final spot. So we have the Giants and football team both at seven, five, and one playing each other. Washington is the six seed. Giants are the seven seed right now. Um, Seattle is the eight. And the Niners play them on Thursday night football with a chance to secure the division if they beat them. So if the Niners beat Seattle. The loser of that game would still be ahead of Seattle, right? Because Seattle would be seven and seven, but they'd only be seven, six, and one. Correct. The loser of the Giants football team game would be ahead of Seattle, right? So it would probably just stay the same. The winner of that game would be be at the sixth seed, and the loser would be at the seventh seed if Seattle loses. Seattle has to win to keep their playoffs hope alive. I think it's fair to say Seattle's playoff hopes are in major trouble if they lose this week. Yeah, they're, they're leaking oil as it goes. I mean, I mean, they barely beat the Rams. The Who thing they have out? going for them is like it's Washington and New York. True. New York has a minus two point differential. Washington has a zero. Seattle has a zero. <laughs> <laughs> they're all about the same. 
The Vikings point differential. The Vikings are ten and three. Do you know what their point differential is? Well, I saw earlier it's it's eight. No, it's minus one. Oh, oh, it's someone's eight. That's kind of good. Maybe minus not. one is the Vikings point differential. They're ten and three. How do they have a minus one point differential? <clears throat> well, how many teams that are ten and two playing the Lions, who were five and seven, are getting two points? People are like, well, we don't think the Vegas didn't. You know, the statistic people were hammering the Lions, and the Lions covered. Lions, sneaky, not dead guy, six and seven. A massive playoff game for both teams this week. Jets, Lions, count me interested. Wow. That is, if I would have told you. Jets right now, seven and six, the seventh seed in the AFC. Kind of like the Lions. Count me interested. (laughs) Don't love golf. You know, it looked, obviously, Buffalo feels like it's a little colder a lot of times than Jersey. But I would guess that game in Meadowlands is not going to be warm and fuzzy. It was not wet today, too, for that game. Um, But don't love Mike White either. Michael I think the Lions are playing great. Jameson Williams had a touchdown. Honestly, well, if you told me, throw, it's just for people. If you didn't watch it, you got to go see the throw. To if I had to rank school. the te- if I had to rank the teams I wanted to play, Giants football team, Seattle Lions, Lions would be the number one team I would not want to play out of that group. Giants would be the team you would want to play, and potentially Seattle too. Though the two wide receivers can make lock it out a sweet touchdown today. Drag his yeah. feet, DK. Those two guys can just at any moment like two touchdowns each. Yeah. I'm pro Mike White. I just let's not act like you know he's the answer for the Jets. No, but their defense is good. Um, Seattle losing. I mean, to have a two game lead going into this is pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it would be. Man, Even though it's not crazy, like, when you look at the landscape, but just like what it's become so fast. Should we talk about this now or later in the week? The Minnesota aspect of this. Uh, we'll probably talk about it later in the week. Okay. I'd be good. Just something to keep in mind as we get ready for the week. The two seed is on the table for the Niners. If if they if the Niners win on Thursday, they are ten and four. Minnesota is ten and three. Minnesota this week plays the Colts at home, so you know not great if you want them to lose, but who knows? Um, Minnesota is ten and three. Niners would be ten and four. Niners would be eight and two in the conference. Minnesota is six and three in the conference, and playing the Colts doesn't help them. But they finish with um, three NFC games: Giants at home at Packers, at Bears. You feel good about uh, the Eagles in the number one seed? Uh, yeah, I do feel pretty good about the Eagles in the number one seed. Who do they play? They play the Cowboys again on the road. Okay, so they uh, be, let's just go worst case for them, 12-2. and two. I think they play the Giants one more game. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to schedule it. Maybe the Jags. I can tell you here in one second. Bears. Jeff Wilson Jr. just got hurt. Carted off. Looks like a no. quad or something. Seriously? Yeah, calf or something. That you know, if you were going to counter my point that you shouldn't have traded them, it's like, well, you guarantee yourself nothing. So um Eagles go at Bears this week, at Cowboys, Saints at home, and then finish with the Giants. So, so I would say worst case two and two. Worst case, they're 14 and three, right? And they've already beat Minnesota. They're in pretty yeah. good shape. Can the Niners get to But the difference is like the two seed used to matter a lot. Doesn't matter as much as it once did, right? Yeah. Without the buy. I think you could argue it just. Uh, well, I, to me, where it matters, you just avoid going to Philly as long as possible, right? 
Yeah. But I guess you kind of, as a three seed, you wouldn't be going to Philly anyway. I think a lot of people, my guess is going to be a lot of people pick against Minnesota in the round one game, depending on their opponent. Like if it was two seven Lions, I could see a lot of people taking the Lions. I could even see if the Commanders played like eye test decent football, like 10 and seven. If it was like Commanders plus four or five, a lot of people hammering that. I don't think Minnesota is going to be some team people are. Because most of the analytical community, I thought they were all-time frauds. A lot of people just like all their statistics. Was it you the one saying this week, the one-score games, if you flipped them, they would be awful? And yep. uh, Niners would have had the same record in one-score games. And the Broncos would be like, they have the Eagles record? Broncos would be good, yeah. <laughs> well, again, what did they have today? They had a one-score game. They lost by six points. John, how about the good news for the Niners? How about the Panthers with Sam Darnold completing 58% of his passes? The Panthers still ran for five yards a carry today against the Seattle Seahawks defense. Yeah, Seattle's defense struggling. For Steve Wilkes. Steve, maybe just give Steve Wilkes the job. If you had to do immediate reaction, yeah. Debo out. I mean, do you feel good about like the Niners winning on a short week after that? What we just I mean, they have a lot of injuries. Yeah, I mean, I feel okay about it given that I just don't I think Seattle is closer to who we saw today than the team that was, you know, raced out to first place in the NFC West. And granted, the Niners played them week two and kicked the shit out of them. I, I think the pressure they get on Gino will obviously be a big deal. He's not Brady in terms of a statue, but I feel okay about it. Now, like, I think one thing we'll talk about later in the week is this is this is a new challenge for Brock Purdy this week. Going to Seattle in what's kind of a must-win game for the Seahawks. Yeah. And it's going to be, even though they lost states, it'll be a good environment. It'll be loud. Uh, Bengals sneaky nine and four. We don't spend much time on the Bengals here. We're not going to do that now, but sneaky nine and four for uh, Zach Brown band. Uh, Chiefs, that game got close. 34 28. Did you see Brett Rippon's interception? No. So they get the uh, um, Broncos get the ball down six. They. Uh, they get the ball down six and Brett Rippon gets crushed as he's like throwing the football and it goes Texas league or pop-up can of corn intercepted. And kind of, that was that just as I kind of got into the game, Russell got knocked with a concussion, which you sent me the video it looked pretty violent. Um, but you know, I, I, I haven't watched it. So I'll defer to someone who watched Russ was 247 yards, three touchdowns a pick today, but I, I, I just saw the, Pick he threw looked pretty bad. He tried would, to do the Olay. I would guess he hasn't thrown three touchdowns in a game this year for them, right? I mean, that feels like a pretty confident guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, there you go. They lost another, what would be their record, one-score games, which, you know, you can't do it for them. You can't do it for Scott Frost. But remember, Scott Frost would be like, won the division if he flipped all his one-score games. Scott Frost also got fired, it felt like, three different times when he was with Nebraska. <laughs> So uh, one score loss following a one score loss last week to the Ravens. Uh, they got beat by 13 the week before the week before that one score loss to the Raiders, but the week before that one score loss to the Titans, the week before that one score win over the Jags week before that one score loss to the Jets week before that one score loss to the Chargers. I'm at seven, one score, lo- uh, six, one score losses. Now week before that one score loss to the Colts. Now we're at seven week before that. Nine point loss to the Raiders, not one score. Uh, a couple of one score wins the week before that, and the week before that, a one score loss to the Seahawks. So eight one score losses 
for Denver now this year. That's pretty wild. Bro, that's incredible. <laughs> Did you see him, the coach today? He had the goatee going. He looks no. like. You think he tried to mix it up? I just player? think he's going. He just, he had the shades on, a little goatee, kind of like mine. Doesn't totally connect right here. Uh-huh. Just looks like a guy that's like, fuck, you know, kind of going through a, a, a midlife season crisis where you know you're going to get fired. Like, what do you do? You know, you're like, do I mix up my look? So I, these pictures that are going to live in infamy in this one, everyone acknowledges like Denver, Colorado is just a great city in America. I'm going to be known for having a job for 12 months. Everyone's going to make fun of my name the rest of my life here. Like That kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm sure he's a good guy. UC Davis guy, we're rooting for him. It has those thoughts have to cross your mind. It's always like, well, just focus on like bullshit. Like yeah. you've had to think like all anyone is going to talk about me in these restaurants. The Broncos are the number one team here. Is how I'm a bumbling village idiot. I mean, I'm their Tom Sula, and I went to UC Davis. I was a I, I was studying to be a doctor, and because my dad, I became a football coach. John, guess the line on Cardinals Patriots Monday Night Football. I'm going to go pick them. Cardinals plus two. It's a big game. for. I mean, the Patriots win that game. They're right back in the playoff mix, aren't they? Bum, 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 ba-dum, ba-dum. If the Patriots win that game, they are seven and six, which is the same record as the Jets. What's their head-to-head with the Jets? They beat them? Yeah. Yeah, they Twice. killed them. They, they, so they the Patriots destroyed them. Yeah, so the Patriots... I guess it kind of depends on some tiebreakers. I think the Patriots would move into the playoffs if they win. Because, you know, if the Chargers win on Monday night, which we're watching that game right now, they'd be 7-6. and six, So they'd have the same record. But right now, New England and the Chargers have the same record. And New England's ahead of them based on conference record. So, uh, actually, they'd be 5-. and Yeah, I think New England would stay ahead of Jacksonville. I think. I don't know so why. they will move into I'm, the playoffs. I'm getting so excited at sweet Justin Herbert plays. Like, he makes sweet plays. Like, Internet quarterback. Every single human I know agrees like they Justin Herbert's better than Tua. Like who I'm rooting against one guy who I think's a fucking idiot. Chris Greer. Who, who basically even acknowledged yeah. Emmanuel Acho acknowledged today, like on like this is it's all a bit like it's his skip oh, Bayless thing. I mean, basically, like I'm no, all in on the you know, he's acknowledging what you and I would never tweet about some radar. <laughs> <What? Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, that's right. John hates the Raiders and I love them. John, I'm going to read this comment um, because I just think it's, I don't know what's going on in the, you know, we try to keep an eye on the comments, but we're doing a show here definitely for the podcast, the comments, you know, by and large, if they're not constructive, don't really help a podcast. I turn them off because I lose focus. I don't know what's happening in the comments, but I'll just read you this. I don't even know what it means. James in the comments, not talking to us, yelling at somebody else. I don't need to chill out. I see the comments. Everyone's acting like his mama when anyone says anything negative about him. Okay. Context clues, just what do you think that's about? I don't know the answer. I assume somebody said something about Trey Lance, though. Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, I, that's, that's my guess. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, who seems like he's handling pretty well on the sideline with Brock Purdy and, and yeah. Brian Greasy. Just get ready for the battle. <laughs> just get ready for the quarterback competition. The, A battle, huh? com- the four-way competition with him, Garoppolo, and Tom. Maybe the competition for the backup <laughs> because the st- we all know who to start with. Tom, <laughs> yeah. he's going to be Purdy's backup. Did they, Tom take veteran minimum deals? Just a tutor, Purdy. <laughs> oh, can I finish with? I, there was one more thing I wanted to ask. Well, whatever, it's not worth putting on the podcast. There was a guy on the sidelines for the Niners with like seven chains on. I just want to know who he is. 
You look like Odo Beckham. <laughs> he was wearing like a. Can I get this up here? Will this work? Did you see the story today about Odell Beckham? No, no one. Today. Well, just no one thinks like he's not ready to play football. And then Odell even admitted on the shop, like, yeah, I don't really want to play in the regular season. I'll just be ready for the playoffs. Like Odell, no one's going to sign you off an ACL injury. Just like, oh yeah, just come in here. He's like, I'll work six to six. But I, the regular season, what? I don't need to do that. I'll just be ready for the playoffs. Like, what? Like, that's not the. That's not the way. That's it not works. how it works, and it's definitely not how it works off an ACL. No. I wonder if he's saying some crazy shit in meetings or some so, of the guys. So after the end of the Thursday night game on Amazon, I was uh, just trying to wind down for the night. What we happened the that Joe. night? The, the Baker Mayfield beat the Raiders. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch the end of the game again. So that's the beauty of Amazon. You can just rewind. So I rewound and I watched it. And then I was when you hit the Amazon guide, it shows you all the different broadcasts. I'd forgotten that the shop was on that night. So I'm like, now... For my encore encore, I'm going to go watch how the Spanish guys did it. And now I'm going to go watch how the shop. So I clicked the shop. LeBron wasn't there. Was he there at the beginning? When the game ended, LeBron was not there. I don't know if he was there at the beginning or if he had a game that night and wasn't there. At well, all. yeah. What if they What if they got a road trip or something? All I know is LeBron wasn't there. It was like, uh, I don't know who it was. Maverick, I'm sure. Rich Paul. Well, yeah, it was Maverick and, um, and a couple other guys. Like but NFL was, guys or just like random? Yeah, dudes? but I was like, where's LeBron? I just flipped this on for the shop and LeBron wasn't here. Well, she shop. He can't guarantee every Thursday night, right? No, I mean, the NBA is in season. Be like ham's going live. <laughs> Hi, I'm Derek Papa. That's a deep inside joke. Did you, did you check out dude? Perfect's reaction? Uh, no, I didn't see. Were they on? I didn't see the dude. Perfect. Well, they, they, yeah, they're on every week. I dude Perfect. Uh, I did not see the dude. Perfect. But I do like that about Amazon that like right now, if I want to rewatch the Niner game, I either had to have recorded it or that's it. Right. Yeah. But the Amazon game, I can just, I just immediately went back and, and watched I'm telling you that all drive seven times. Gen X, Stat X, or whatever that is. Yeah. I got, like I said on Thursday, I got stuck watching that. And, and just the watching everything play out was, I'm glad that I was forced to that, that broadcast to watch that. Because you could just see the all 22 happen. You well, could, and, and, and as Baker Mayfield articulated on the booth with all the guys after the game, I couldn't believe. They were in cover zero and man to man on the outside. Yeah. And then Van Jefferson, whose dad is the Arizona. Think how cool that moment was for the dad for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, who's their uh, wide receiver coach? Mm-hmm. You know, his son. You know, yeah. he's the wide receiver coach. Like, you just, that had to just be. And even he said, like, I hope my kid, remember when they played him? Oh. I stopped watching after like the second episode, but he's like, I hope he goes for like 10 and 100 and we win. And then I think they lost. Oh, no, they did win that game. Cardinals in the Rams. They won, but the Rams, but he scored a touchdown in the game is what happened. Oh, that was it, yeah. Do you, you expect a Kyler Murray cliff blow up tomorrow? It's been pretty consistent throughout the year, so I don't know why we wouldn't get, especially with yeah, Bill throwing not? some curveballs. All right. On that note, anything else? What a day. Thanks for uh, hanging with us, everybody. Hope Debo's ankle's okay. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about this week. We will be back. As always, adios, pelota.